Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing the two Road to Tokyo Dome shows, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to time to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. And make sure you check out our friends at powerslam.tv. If you use the code socialsuplex, you'll get a free month of Powerslam TV, over 3,000 hours of independent wrestling from across the world. Check it out, powerslam.tv. Use the code socialsuplex. And... Now let's dive into the show, man. So we had Road to Tokyo Dome shows this weekend, you know, building us towards the big Tokyo Dome show. There is no other road that I would want to travel other than the road to the Tokyo Dome. I am so excited <laughs> for Wrestle Kingdom. Like I can't even begin to tell you. Like this is the highlight of my of my year, my life my well-being, my entire essence. Yeah, this is a great time of year. No, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited to do the show this week. For, it feels like it's been a long time. Like, the other week we did, like, two shows back-to-back, and um, there was so much, like, great wrestling this weekend, and I'm just, I'm excited, man. Yeah, man, so let's not waste any time and let's dive in, man. We never waste any time. <laughs> Nothing but premium content on... Keeping it strong style, you know? The ace. Uh, so, December 14th, from Cork and Hall, we had the first Road 2 show. Uh, night opened up with Hanma, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask 4, and Kushida taking on Toa Hanare, Ayato Yoshida, Ren Narita, and Yuya Yurimura. Yeah, so, I mean, um, this was your prototypical Young Lions taking on the uh, established, you know, 
Sekigun, New Japan Army Dads, as well as like some of the other assorted characters. You had Hanma in there. You had, you know, uh, Kushida in there. And uh, this was this was very good. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, pretty much your basic young lions. They're all fired up, trying their best to take on the these uh, New Japan veterans. They're just going for it. They're yeah. just fighting their little hearts out. They're trying to grab that, <laughs> you know, brass ring. Um, but like every young lion story ends ends in pain. Yeah, lately uh, there's been a lot of matches recently. We saw it on SmackDown just the other week when um, they had uh, who was it that came up from 205? Uh, Mustafa Ali. Yeah, Mustafa Ali coming up and trying to take in, take on you know Daniel Bryan, and then like on the uh, the most recent uh, Ring of Honor telecast, the first match of the night they had I forget his name Eli Isom. Isom kind of taking on Kenny King. So they a lot of companies do these stories where you know young lions or you know young you know un um, you know stars in the making guys that aren't established taking on these established stars well we get this in new japan all time every single week (laughs) and uh for my money nobody does it as great as those two matches i just mentioned are nobody does it better than new japan and so um it is it's cool that you get you kind of get those stories every now and again with other companies but you know when you kind of compare what the young lions are able to do with you know, so so green into their careers and so young into their careers, it's just a testament to, you know, the New Japan Dojo system and the training system that they have here. And, um, you know, this wasn't necessarily a rewatch or anything of that nature, but, I mean, just like, I mean, can you even remember a single time in the past year or even several years where you watched a Young Lion match and thought, that was bad? No, I can't say that I have. <laughs> Me either, yeah. man. I literally can't think of a time where I thought, like, yeah, you know that 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 Narita doesn't really belong <laughs> in the ring, or you know that that Yumura, that guy, he, there's no upside to him. They just need to cut him. Like these guys, everybody they bring through the dojo is just freaking excellent. Yeah, and um, this match ended up with, uh, I believe it was Yumura. He was in there. He got uh, hit with a some kicks from Tiger, then the Kokeshi by Hanma, and then Tiger hit him with the Tiger Driver, and the team of Hanma, Liger, Tiger Mask War, and Kushida get the win. No, Nobody really doing anything too um, remarkable, but at the same time, everybody got a chance to shine in this match. And, you know, obviously, I thought it was funny uh, on the commentary, they mentioned, like, how it was better when Kushida and, like, um, Hanma were in there because they're a little less, you know, stiff with the young lions. But <laughs> yeah. But when like Liger gets, oh my god, Liger was freaking showtaying the crap. Oh out yeah, of these he kids. yeah he showtay. I think it, I think it was uh, more also that yeah towards the end like uh, he showtayed the crap out of him. But this was good. But uh, as expected, you know, Sekigun picks up the win here. One, two, three. At 11 minutes 30 seconds, nice little opener. And we have a question here from Reddit user a blue three. He wants to know. Where will Shota Umino, Narita, and Yoshida go on excursion to, and when will each of them go? Hmm, that's a good question. So, I mean, um, let's talk about some of the hypothetical places they could go. I mean, they could go to RepPro in the UK. Mm-hmm. They could potentially go to CMLL in Mexico. Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor here in is the an option. And then... Um, I have a feeling like Australia might be like the next location yes. as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, is there anywhere else that you could see any of these guys going? No, I think those are the main spots. Um, and as far as where they'll go, I mean, 
I mean, I think it's kind of up in the air. Yoshida, I'm kind of wondering if he will go on excursion since he's he came from Kaintai Dojo. Yeah, Yo- Yoshida is kind of a, a a special situation. His situation, in some ways, reflects, in my opinion, um, what they were kind of doing to an. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but kind of reminds me of like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, where like he had. Like, he didn't go on an excursion right away, and then he ended up doing a couple tours in Mexico at different phases of his career. And, like, Yoshida is still, even though he has wrestled in DDT and he's been a freelancer, you know, he could hypothetically benefit from getting some other experience outside of the company, Mm -hmm. especially if they sign him. So I could see him going somewhere else. Um, If they were going to send him, it seems like... um, now would probably be the best time. He's probably the one who's, like, ready to go out unless they want to keep him in New Japan for a while and kind of season him somewhere. Right. I could see uh, potentially maybe Umino towards the end of next year going on excursion. Um, and I mean, I think I think Umino and Narita... I mean, all three of these guys are the, the most senior, so it would seem, um, right. you know, likely that they would head out. Um, just spitballing, given what we know about these these guys, where would you like to see them go? Um, I think I would like to probably either CMLL or maybe Rev Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you know getting that Lucha Libre um, influence is a great to mix up a good like good mix to have in that style, um, especially for somebody that's a little bit smaller like Narita if he's going to be a junior. Uh, it does seem like the um, the amount of success stories that they've had in New Japan from guys that have done tours. In CMLL, um, vastly outweighs guys that have come to the Americas or that have been in England right. or, or what have you. Um, so I would say Umino would be the guy that I would see them sending to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Although I almost feel like you might want to wait for Cuato to come back. Yeah. Um, but that would be, I mean, we're just, we have no idea. But yeah, I would send Umino there. With Narita. I could see him... I would say send him to England. Send him to Rev Pro. Yep. Um, and let him work the UK scene, possibly. I think that, you know, the technical, you know, wrestling that's over there and what that all that offers, that might be a benefit to him. Um, and with Yoshida, because he's a guy that's kind of established, I would say send him to Ring of Honor. Mm. You know? Right. He doesn't need too... I mean, obviously... As much uh, experience you can get helps, but I mean, yeah. As far as the other guys, I think Ring of Honor would be a better fit for him. Yoshida, yeah. I mean, Yoshida's a guy kind of similar in that vein to like Dave, uh, not Dave Finley, um, Jay White. I could see him benefiting a lot from working Ring of Honor. Plus, mm-hmm. they probably need the help anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're making a lot of moves, and we'll talk about that later in the news. But yeah, I think Ring of Honor would be a great place for him next year. So the keeping his strong style. You know, um, excursion picks, Umino, CMLL, Renarita, RevPro, and we're going to send Yoshida to Ring of Honor. Good question. And speaking of Shota Umino, he was in the following matchup, taking on Shingo Takagi in his first New Japan one-on-one match. Young boy, what do you think about this one? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it so much, man. Um, This could have been easily a... Spotlight match for Shingo, and don't get me wrong, Shingo was spotlighted, but it could have easily been, you know, a 
a squash essentially if they really wanted it to be. Yeah, honestly, like I know usually the young long, young lions don't really get squash all the time. It's usually they do get like a hope spot, but I for some reason I thought Chingo was gonna like completely like bulldoze this kid. This reminded me a, a lot. There was a match. Um, oh man, I don't want to forget this. It was uh, Okada. Do you remember that match we watched with Okada when he was a young lion? I think he was taking on. Um, oh God, who was it? Oh, was it Nagata? It was not Nagata. It was someone who's not in the company anymore. I want to mm. say it was like Otani, or maybe it was Marafuji, something like that. Like when he was a young lion. Dang, this is going to bother me. Anyways, every now and again you do see these matches where, um, you know, a young lion gets to take on a really established superstar. Actually, a better a better example of this was a couple years ago on, during one of those Cork and Hall shows when we got to see Jay White take on Kenny Omega. Yeah. And they kind of did a similar, you know, style match to this. And they really highlighted Shota Umino in this match. And I mean... Instead of it being something where he was a no-hoper and he just got outclassed and outmatched, I mean, he took Shingo to the limits in a 10-minute yeah, match. Yeah, he did. Got several near falls. There's that, that cradle towards the end that was like 2.999 kick out. Like, Shingo was definitely having a rough go. And, I mean, they were on commentary, Kevin Kelly and uh, who was who was it? It was Kevin Kelly and Chris and, uh, Charlton. Yeah, Chris Charlton. They did an excellent job just talking about how Shingo hasn't had a singles match in New Japan, you know, this year. So this is kind of just, uh, you know, kind of getting the rust off and kind of getting him ready for singles competitions. Tune-up match. Yeah. But, man, it seemed like anything but a tune-up match. I yeah, mean, dude. Umino came for a fight. He looked great, man. All of his, his strikes were solid and just really took it to um, the dragon here. You hear a lot of Per Rezu fans talk about Dragon Gate, Shingo, and how... He was a bully, and you know he used to muscle these guys around, and that's what you got here. And so I, I was very, very pleasantly surprised to see that this got a lot of time. It got both guys looked great. I mean, Shingo was vicious as all heck, and then yeah. Shoto Mino did as well as a young lion could ever hope to be displayed without actually winning. I mean, he's not yeah. going to beat Shingo, obviously, but man, and you know what? I've said on this podcast before. Um, and I still stick by it, that my the guy I think is the best is Ren Narita. In my current opinion, he is, from a technical standpoint, the best one. But when it comes to constructing a match and getting the emotion of a big match, we haven't really seen that from him. There's been a few singles matches he's had, and they've while being technically good, Shota does know how to do that already. This match highlighted it. Uh, the match he had with uh, Daisuke Sakamoto on, you know, earlier um, in the year yeah. showed that his matches with Nagata, his matches with Yoshida, and um, you know, he's just uh, undoubtedly had the best year of any young lion in the company. Yeah, and overall, man, this was a fun match. Great showcase for Shingo. Great showcase for Umino. Shingo gets the win. He Hits him with his gory bomb, the pumping bomber, and then the last of the dragon to finish it all off. And Shingo gets a win there. So then moving on, we had the chaos team of Hiroki Goto and Rocky Romero taking on the Suzuki Goon team of Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Iska. Before we move on, I just want to say big recommendation. If you aren't if you're gonna cherry pick these shows and pick something out to watch. 
highly recommend Shota Umino versus Shingo Takagi. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this chaos match, so we had Goto and Rocky Romero against Suzuki and Isuka, and um, this was fine. Yeah, I mean, it's what you expect. Suzuki Gun jumping for the bell, Isuka biting everybody. Uh, yeah, not not too much. You know, nothing really too exciting here. Towards the end, Iska gets the iron fingers. Uh, Goto knocks him off. Ushigoroshi to Suzuki. Uh, then they do the uh, high-low finish that usually um, um, yeah. Yano and Ishii does. Yeah, they did. One thing I did want to point out, though, is that Goto and Suzuki, and we'll talk more about it, but they are the two, probably the two biggest names that are being left off of the... Being sidelined. Sidelined. <laughs> They've been sidelined from Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um you gotta you gotta imagine with them being uh, placed in back to back tag matches on these Road to Tokyo Dome shows that they are probably building up to feature them heavily in the six man gauntlet and we'll talk more about that but um, I think that 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 they're kind of teasing that is what's happening here yeah I wouldn't be surprised at this point to see those two teams be the final two teams. At the end of the gauntlet, uh, with Suzuki and and Goto playing heavily into that, especially considering the rivalry they had all last year and the match they had at the Tokyo Dome last year as well. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be some good stuff. And so, like I mentioned, Goto and Rocky Romero get the win here. Rocky got a win over Isuka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rocky was the one that scored the pinfall. That lets you know where uh, Isuka is in the the picking order in yeah. Japan. And uh, then we had uh, Miho Abe arrive dressed as Mrs. Claus. Looking like a little Christmas treat, <laughs> a little Christmas snack. <laughs> Looked like she was looking for a Santa, you know. Uh, so that led into the uh, next match. Uh, obviously, Miho Abe was out there because Tai Chi was coming out. Isn't and- it weird how they decide when Miho Abe is going to be on the cards? Like, we get Tai Chi all the time, but then, like, big shows, no Miho. Road to show, Miho, Miho shows yeah. up. Like it's very strange, like how her dates are booked. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, she was out here with um, Tai Chi, who was teaming with Kanamaru and Desperado to take on the Chaos team of Ishii, Sho, and Yo from Rapungi Three K, the Super Junior team of Rapung- <laughs> uh, of uh, Chaos. <laughs> oh man! And these guys, they're like they're just awesome. Yeah, but clearly this match was all about. Um, building up some heat for the triple threat junior tag title match at Wrestle Kingdom. We know it's Desperado and Kanamaru against Rapungi 3K against LIJ, Shingo, and Bushi. Yeah, and I think with the fact that Kanamaru and Desperado have been champions for over 300 days now, man. They're coming up on a year. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but with the fact that they're the defending champions, we're getting six-man action each night involving the different teams that are challenging them. So on this first Cork and Hall show, we got Rapongi 3K going head-to-head with you know this uh, Suzuki Goon team, and uh, I thought that this was good. Um, I especially liked the interactions between Taichi and Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, that could be something to look forward to next year. Maybe we see Taichi in Rev Pro next year. And Taichi being challenging Ishii for that Rev Pro title. Taichi has kind of, ever since he lost the Never title, kind of like turned a corner. Um, like he was very, very good in the be- in the uh, World Tag League, and then both of these nights, it's like, and then obviously the Will Osprey match, it's like he's like kind of turned a corner now suddenly, and he's just 
like, I don't know, maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder about, like, the way his year's gone, you know? But, like, um, we're not seeing so much of the stalling Taichi and so much of the, uh, you know, the, the kind of crap that people hate about him, including myself. Yeah. Like, he's kind of going in there and, like, muscling these juniors and bullying them. And, like, he was even, like, freaking striking the crap out of Ishii. And, like, I can get behind that Taichi. Like, I, yeah. I definitely can. Yeah. And, you know, you, uh, you know, we've been talking about how kind of joking about the Ishii junior run, but, you know, when you look at it, Ishii, he gives a lot to these juniors in this match, especially guys like Kanemaru. He, he always takes that deep impact and sells it Bro, for a near fall. It's because Ishii is the most giving wrestler alive today. He sells for everybody. He's a national treasure. Like, all, you know what? I just want to say this. Like, okay, I, I recently watched a video, okay? I won't call any names or anything, but I watched a video recently where someone was talking about, like, you people don't deserve Goto and like, you know, you, uh, you know, undervalue him and all that. And I'm like, I don't think we undervalue him. It's just, there's this other guy in the same like team as him. You're right. That's <laughs> who's like killing it all time. Yeah. Like always on way. Like, I don't want to say better because that implies that Goto can't go at the same level as say Ishii, but like he doesn't try the way Ishii does. He doesn't give the way that Ishii does, at least not in 2018 right. New Japan. And I mean like all all these fans who are wondering like what's the deal with Goto? How I mean, if he was doing what Ishii's been doing the last four, five, what, six years? It'd be a different story. It might story. be a different story, yeah. man. Um I just love Ishii, man. I just love him and I thought that this was really, really good. I thought everybody played a great part. Um, and I thought in both this match and the match we're going to review for the 15th, Kanemaru and Desperado are, like, on kind of on fire right now, yeah, too. Yeah, they're, they're looking good. Especially, like, surprisingly, Kanemaru, man. Yeah. Like, he's putting a lot of effort. And I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was real good. And so it came down to the end with Ishii and Kanemaru. Um, Ishii fired up and gave him that big vertical drop brain buster for the finish. One, two, three. Ishii Show and Yo are your victors. Oh my god, it feels so good to be doing a positive show about <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, then we have Rocky Romero joining the commentary team and leads us to the next matchup, which is Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Sanada, and Bushi taking on Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Taiji Ishimori. So, once again, you know, obviously they're trying to heat up the Bullet Club here. As uh, Tamatanga Tangaloa will be facing off against Evil and Tanada and the Young Bucks in that triple threat tag title match. Um, and then obviously Naito will be facing Jericho Ishimori facing Kushida. But clearly the focus of this match is where G.O.D. and L.I.J. here. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've kind of turned the, the corner on Bullet Club. <laughs> like, I, a few weeks ago... Uh, it's kind of funny, bro. It's just a couple weeks ago. Like, I think I was criticizing the Bullet Club. I was like, what is this? You know? It was like a, a hodgepodge of, like, just random dudes thrown together. Jay White was coming out to his own music. And I was like, "What? what's happening here? I don't understand. And it was like, nothing was gelling. Nothing seemed to be right. But at the same time, it was still brand new. Fast forward and like they just beat you know the super, the mega aces seven times by the way yeah um, on the world tag league and they're like invigorated and suddenly like now granted in this match of course it's you know bad luck folly Tamatanga Tangaloa and Taiji Ishimori but 
I think them bringing out all throughout the World Tag League, bringing out Gato with them. Or, I'm sorry, Jado, mm-hmm. and then Gato's interaction. You know, kind of interacting with uh, with Jay White, and then the matches where they've all had together. It's like they're gelling, and all yeah. of a sudden, like. Do you remember last year when we were watching World Tag League and I was like making comments where I was like, you know, the US Bullet Club to me is not like the real Bullet Club. Right, yeah. Because they even though they are they were, they did not remind me of like the Bullet Club that I remember, you know, when like when um AJ had the helm or like when Vertical Devitt. When Devitt had the you know, had the helm. Suddenly with Jay White, like I'm getting behind this Bullet Club. It's like they're the Bullet Club again. And I'm excited about it. And like, yeah. Yeah, this was this. Now this match, um, you know, getting the positive out of the way, I didn't think this match was really that great. <laughs> right. I mean, it was it was just kind of there. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of brawling, a lot of um, Jado hitting people with the kendo stick. What do you uh, think about him being such a heater and hitting people with the kendo stick? Because he's kind of like a like a bullet club like mascot at this point. Yeah, the master heater. I mean, it, it, it's it's whatever. Um, do you think it's positive or negative, or like how do you take it? I mean, it does get heat for the Bullet Club, so it's helping that way. It's yeah. just, but it is one of those things like the ref knows it's happening in every match. You hear that loud sound, like where did that sound come from? Like, well, they didn't see it. Yeah, I know, but you, <laughs> they heard it. <laughs> that could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> a fan in the crowd like cracked somebody with a kendo stick. Uh, we don't want we don't want to jump to any conclusions about what's causing what sounds. It's a wrestling match, <laughs> you know. These these New Japan officials they're doing the best they can. If you want to be mad at anybody, take it up with the International Wrestling Grand Prix. They need to be training these guys better in, and instituting better referee practices. Maybe we should get. Uh, you know, instant replay. I don't know, but take that up with the IWGP. Those yeah. are the guys you need. Yeah, to be we, need, at. we need a stronger uh, kendo stick rules in yeah. Japan. But um, I think it's been fine. I do feel like it gets tiresome from time to time seeing the same thing over and over again. But at the same time, it's like it is getting heat. And I mean, you know, I love Yano, and Yano does the same crap every match. And I'm not, yeah. you know, so. But yeah, I thought this was fine. It was. It is interesting. Um, we're at a point where like. A lot of these matches are kind of highlighting stuff that's going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom. And even though, yes, Evil and Sonata are going to take on Tangaloa and uh, and uh, Tamatanga, because it's like such a big multi-man match, it, it does kind of feel weird to see LIJ facing like the Bullet Club at this phase. You yeah. Know? Um, notice there's no uh, there's no elite around. Well, that's kind of weird. I, don't <laughs> I guess they had bigger fish to fry over in New York. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the, the end of this match came down. Um, Bushi got hit with the kendo stick, and then God hit the super uh, power bomb on Bushi to put him away. I will never not mark for that. Yeah, the super uh, the super power bomb is um, awesome. It. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't even really like God that much, but just seeing them hit that move, I'm like, I'm all about it. Yeah, that was, an, that was a nice addition to them. Yeah. So Especially like the continuity because it came from Jado and Gato, so it was like handed on to them. So it fits them perfectly. It fits them, and it kind of bonds the Bullet Club together. It's very, very good, very good. So next we have Gato coming out. He's wearing a sling. He's uh, walking in a crutch, wearing a chaos shirt. He says that he was in a car accident of a drunk driver. 
He can't compete. There'll be no match. He apologizes to the fans. Match is canceled. Match is canceled. <laughs> All in car accident. <laughs> this this was so good, bro. This was so Memphis. Like, I loved it. And then uh, Okada comes out. He wants the match. Um, he says it doesn't have to be a seven-star classic, so he'll make it quick. Um, Okada fakes attacking him, exposing the fake injuries. Um, Ghetto makes a face at Okada and the ref, and then uh, KOs Okada with the brass nuts. How did he not get... How did the match not get thrown out right then and there? He maced the freaking referee. Yeah. Um... I mean, I get it, and I did enjoy this, but that's, like, my one gripe. Like, that's really stupid to me, you know? Yeah. Like, it'd be like if he tased him, and then he turned around and he tased the ref, and the ref's not going to, like, call a halt to the action. <laughs> like, I think, like, getting pepper sprayed in the eyes is a pretty egregious sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, he mates both of them, gets the brass knucks out, hits Okada, then the, uh, the Gato makes the ref ring the bell, and the match starts, and... You know, Okada, or uh, Gato's getting heat on Okada in the beginning of this match. Dude, he controlled, like, the whole first portion of the match. Yeah. Doing every single dirty thing that he possibly could to Okada. Like, it was excellent, bro. It just, um, it did, it just reminded me of, like, mid-90s, like, Jerry Lawler matches, like, with, like, Bret Hart and stuff like that, where, like, you know, he would cheat to get the upper hand to start the match and then just, like, go to town and, like... It's not, like, a technical marvel, but, like, just working the crowd and just drawing heat and getting simpy on Okada. He hit, when he had him in the Gato clutch, dude. Oh, I thought he won. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't really, but, like... It was it, close. It was a believable... The Gato clutch one of the best near falls in yeah. wrestling. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good. We also had uh, Jado came out here at one point in this match. Um, we also had uh, a ref bump where Jay White comes in and attacks Okada, hits this sweet-looking Uranagi, then Rocky Romero jumps off a commentary to help make the save, but Jay White hits him with the Blade Runner, Okada runs White into Gato, Okada hits a dropkick, tombstones Gato, hits the Rainmaker, and gets the win. At 12 minutes, 40 seconds. Um, if, you, if you wanted to give this a star rating, I mean, you're not going to see many, <laughs> many snowflakes right. here. Um, and I've, I've seen people that really disliked this. I loved it. I loved it too, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm old school. You know was, me. Yeah. I mean, this was not about match quality, obviously. you see, When you see Okada versus Ghetto, you know it's not about having a match that's going to tear the house down. If this was like um, old school territory wrestling, then what would happen after this is like, well, probably what would have happened is Okada probably wouldn't have beat Gato. They right. probably would have gotten either the match thrown out or really cheated and had Gato go over. And that would have just, oh my God, been terrible. That would have been master heat. And then like at Wrestle Kingdom, they do like something like put Gato in a shark cage or some crap. And then like if he beats Jay White. He gets like five minutes alone in the ring. With yeah, and he would just tear Gato. He, what what most people wanted this match to be with him just destroying Gato, that's what you would get as the big come up into the big payoff. Mm-hmm. And maybe down the line, the New Japan should even think about doing that. I think it's not smart to do that at Wrestle Kingdom, just given... The kind of big stage it is, and the prestige, and the heat that's, you know, going into Okada White. But I would love uh, at this point. I still want Okada to get his freaking hands on this skinny little punk, you know, <laughs> and just like take him to town, take him to task. I want him to just like 
whip him like a like a what it like a government like mule. Like a government mule, yeah. Have him run like a scarlet dog <laughs> with a case of the limber tails. <laughs> Who said that? That's JR, man. Oh my god. Dude, I've played all those SmackDown games with all those <laughs> JR, you know, bit, uh, sound bites in there. Yeah, uh, but this this was really entertaining. Um you know, I mean, if you if you didn't like this, uh, pro wrestling might not be for you. I don't know. I I loved it, and uh, af- after the match, Jay White came back in and laid out Okada. Yep, which has been the theme of the last uh, couple months. Jay He's White got his number, bro, always on top, leaving Okada laying. Jay White's got Okada's number. They're doing a fantastic job making Okada look like the sympathetic babyface and building the chase because he. He wants so, so badly. So badly. So badly to get his hands on Jay White. And um, Jay White's just like so smart, so snarky and slimy. And he just keeps being one step ahead of him. The storytelling is excellent. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been really good. So next we had Hiroshi Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, Togi Makabe, and Toru Yanu. Taking on the team of Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. So we have the uh, the most violent players uh, reuniting here with Makabe and Yano on the same team. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about the Golden Lovers reuniting. This is the reunite. This is the tag team uh, reunion of 2018. The, the most violent players. Um, no, you know, actually, I didn't watch New Japan when they were like a team or anything like that. So I mean, I kind of like probably need to re-educate myself i'm familiar with with you know with them but um yeah i mean it's been interesting just all the kind of like crossing of the faction lines even just recently just in a few weeks just all started happening we actually have a question about that from reddit user jai brian he says since it looks like chaos is fading into the new japan main unit what faction do you see separating from the group and who will lead it well you've got chaos and then you've got what traditionally is known as Sekigun. Slash uh, Team Taguchi Japan. Well, more traditionally, the reason I say Sekigun, which pretty much translates to the New Japan Army. Yeah. Um, but in recent years, most of the guys that are, have been you know, involved with Sekigun have been part of Taguchi Japan. Uh, save for guys that were like remnants of like GBH, you know, yeah. like your Hanmas and your Makabe's, that sort of thing. Um that being the case, it does seem strange lately where we're starting to see a lot of Chaos guys teaming with a lot of Taguchi Japan sort of guys. Um, and there have been rumors about a reshuffling of the factions and a reshuffling of the different units throughout New mm. Japan. Um, and we've kind of been speculating on this. I've been thinking about it myself for a while, and I'm, just, I'm not sure really what is happening, but it does seem like Chaos is fading. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. Maybe they just—they're all, all just become a part of. There's all Seki Gun, and they're defending New Japan from factions like Bullet Club. Maybe they're all just baby faces, and they just like to get along because they all stand for truth, honor, and the American way. <laughs> America, baby. <laughs> no, um, isn't that like such a weird thing? Like we always just think like good means American, like yeah. you know, the stars and stripes, old glory, Flip Gordon, American <laughs> Pie. <laughs> Um, freaking A, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think to a certain extent, maybe there's a chance potentially that maybe Toki Magape and Mano kind of do become like a 
like a unit once again. I mean, with Hanma, basically, it did seem like they were gearing up for you know another run with Hanma and Makabe, but with Hanma's you know injuries and the fact that he's not at 100%, maybe that's kind of sidelined. Makabe is a guy that is very, very popular. Uh, Yano is a guy very, very popular. They've got history. Um, and Makabe is slowing down, you know, no matter what anyone wants to say or admit or whatever. And the truth is he never was the greatest hand in the ring right. to begin with. Right. Um, and so at this point, like, he's not, he's not going to be involved in the Intercontinental scene or the IWGP title scene. But I could definitely see him being a player in the heavyweight tag title scene. In fact, he could be an asset, and that could be something that I could definitely see him doing. Um, Toriano, the same way. Uh, will they continue to tag beyond this? I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like that would be not the worst call in the world. Yeah, and um, they're they're going to be teaming together in the, the gauntlet, and we'll get to that in the news later. So, yeah, it's very interesting to see what's happening here. I'm I'm not sure how this is all going to shake out, um, which which I love. I'm, I, love. I think his big question is like, what faction do what do we see separating from yeah. the group? Yeah. Do and I'm guessing that kind of plays into the do we see an actual faction forming out right. of all this? And I know there's been talk. You know, Hanma wanting to test uh, Toa Hanare out, and I think they're going to be teaming at the Fan Fest. So maybe maybe there is like going to be like a great bash heel. You got Plus. Toa Hanare, Hanma, Makabe, and Yano. Well, I don't know. To me, like, Great Bash Heel is Great Bash Heel. And if you're going to be Great Bash Heel, then you got to be, like, the worst mother effers, like, <laughs> right. in the company again, which I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, but, you know, again, we were, you know, just a few months back, back in, like, August, well, like, October-ish time period, there was a the whole thing with Tanahashi and Ibushi and um, Yoshihashi, who's been sidelined um and okada and we're you know that kind of plays into this whole thing too so maybe they've been building to this for a while we just didn't see it as it was progressing yeah i'll tell you what i'm not the best fantasy booker you guys every week when we're on this show i appreciate the questions but we get all these fantasy booking questions and i suck at it like i really do i i wish i could tell you exactly what faction is going to come out but i don't i can't predict that sort of thing which I think is a great thing. Keep us keep us guessing. Like keep we have, us on our toes. Yeah, I'll tell you what though. If you guys are into fantasy booking, we have a new show here on the Social Suplex Podcasting Network uh, called the Omega Luke Podcast. I uh, gave them a listen earlier today, and they have a really cool and just unique concept. They do these fantasy booking scenarios. They'll invite podcasters or columnists or just wrestling fans, and they'll have them record and half episode painting a, a scenario the last episode was reforming a new nexus and they had two different podcasters on there uh and it's really really good so i think a lot of you guys are kind of into that whole like hypotheticals and sort of stuff and i mean like i loved it i yeah i, I checked it out today also i thought it was great stuff happy to have omega luke on the network yeah. So yeah guys check him out his show's really good i know like for me at work a lot of times um I like to listen to like true crime podcasts. I, I don't just listen to wrestling, even though I listen to a lot of wrestling, but I'll listen to like fiction and stuff like this. So like the Omega Luke podcast is cool because it's like fiction, but like wrestling fiction, but it's like way better than what most of the companies are actually doing. It's like, <laughs> you know, I don't have the capacity. I see a lot of people doing like fantasy leagues and fantasy booking. I don't have the capacity to sit through your like crappy, um, 
you know, forum post that goes. Dude, like, I used to be a part of those. Oh things, my man. god! <laughs> I just I don't have the the patience to read through your twenty slides of you know how you would have rebooked the NWO in 1997. I just don't have yeah <laughs> the capacity to do that. But if you put it in audio format and you have so, like sound effects and it's like entertaining, oh yeah, I'll listen to that all day. So like, uh, yeah, Omega Luke podcast. They get a big thumbs up for me because they're good. And how often do you guys hear me put over another like show on the pot on, on from our network like this? So trust me, they're good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's talk about this match, man. So yeah, so obviously the uh, main story here um, was getting you know heat for uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and the Kenny Omega matchup, and obviously Will Osprey and Kota Ibushi. Yeah, because uh, Tanahashi and Osprey. I didn't like their interactions during the um, World Tag League Finals. Remember that? Yeah. I thought that they did a much better job. You mean Tanahashi and Omega? What did I say? Tanahashi and Osprey. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I, I thought that them having a comedy match at the World Tag League Finals and getting T-shirt Kenny as he's affectionately known. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of that, but this did a much, much better job of building towards that. And, um, I mean, this was a good, good match. You had, I mean, look at the players you had in there. Chase Owens, the crown jewel. <laughs> dude, Chase Owens, he was, like, on fire in this match. And, dude, he's such a good wrestler. We talk about he's it really good. every week, how good this man is. And just the stuff he does in there, like that springboard, like that um, slingshot, like Spinebuster uh, DVD combo, whatever that thing was he did. Dude, it was a sick combo. This guy's just, dude, he's, he's I, awesome. I thought this was a very fun, very entertaining match. Uh, having like Yujiro and Toroyano being in there to kind of like play the the comedy relief in the match. Will Ospreay, to me, though, was... Him and him and Kotobushi were the stars of this match. Oh, yeah. They stood out the, the, the highest. Um, I do think that with Tanahashi and Omega, the best preview matches that they've had were the was the first match that they had a, a while back. I don't even remember when that was. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? It was before the World Tag League. I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Was that was it, Power Struggle? I think so. Yeah, it was the tag team match they had at Power Struggle. That has been better than all of their interactions. And we'll talk about their their match on the 15th, which is also excellent. But I still haven't seen, from that date forward, I haven't seen any anything in any of these matches that's really made me salivate for mm-hmm. Tanahashi and Omega. It's like they're kind of playing it low-key. Right. Kind of like keeping them apart in the matches. And I'm used to these matches being like preview matches for the big Wrestle Kingdom main event. And they're really not doing that with Tanahashi and Omega. And why do you think that is, man? I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to, like you said, trying to hold off any like expectations of what you could possibly see for the Dome. I mean, we have seen some stuff. Obviously, they've been telling the story of Tanahashi being able to block the V-trigger. Yeah. Um, we've seen Omega hitting sling blades. Um, I love when Kenny Omega hits sling blades. But a lot of that stuff seems like it's it's more so when... The action is going and everyone's getting their stuff in and guys come in, are coming in and doing their big spots. Yeah. But we haven't seen a lot of the like toe-to-toe. Like I liked when they were uh, at the Power Struggle card when they had that tag match where they were just going at it. And we were getting yeah. the sequences between them. Um, now it's kind of like sparing. And some people might think it's good um, because they're taking a back seat and really letting Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi showcase what they can do. And that's 
excellent. And I'm sure Tanahashi and Omega are going to have an excellent Wrestle Kingdom match. But I am surprised that this is the main event at Cork and Hall a few weeks you know, removed from Wrestle Kingdom. And it's like Tanahashi and Omega, it's like I don't see much heat between them when they are wrestling yeah. right now. Which is kind of um, – I don't want to say too concerned because I still think it's probably going to be near five-star match. I can't imagine it wouldn't be. But I'm just wondering why they're not really giving it like the um, kind of treatment that Okada and Jay White are going in there and they're freaking running it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think maybe because with Okada and Jay White, they know it's a non-title match. It's Jay White. They need as much heat as possible for that match. This Okada and Tanahashi, um, it's the, the IWGP title match. It's Kenny Omega. It's Tanahashi. Like... That match is going to be incredible. So I think they don't, they didn't feel the the need to put as much as behind it as like an Okada Jay White. See, and I'm of a different opinion. I think they need to because mm. they've been talking about ideologies. They had an excellent press conference, you know. But how many people watched that? You know, right? New Japan nerds watched it, but like a lot of New Japan nerds didn't even watch that. You know what I mean? And it, people have been kind of complaining about the build. And I'm like, well, Kenny wasn't on a lot of the tours. A lot of what Tanahashi's been doing the past few months has been like Mega Aces stuff. Stuff with him in, in six mans against Ibushi as a placeholder for Omega. Now we finally got a chance to see them like go at it. Mm-hmm. And they're really not. And that is bothering me a little bit. It's, my, it's one of my only real gripes. I want them to do more. Um... Because it's like the match is built off of name value and personalities and not so much like a personal conflict. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I want that element. I love I love I mean that's what pro wrestling's about. It's not just about names and about, you know, ideologies. It's about the heat. Like they like I know what you're saying, they haven't been getting heat on them, but they need to be getting heat yeah. on them. Yeah. And now it's it's done deal now. Like we're two weeks away, there's no more matches, like we're we can't stop now. It's like when you're on a roller coaster <laughs> and you like get to the top and you're scared and you're like, I, w- I, I regret this decision. Yeah. Uh, it's too late. You are, you're buckled in. You're going now. So for, for better or worse, the Tanahashi Omega build has already come and, come and gone. Unless they do something in the press in the next two weeks, this is it. There's not going to be any more physical uh, altercations between these guys. Yeah. Uh, so towards the end of this matchup... Um Osprey countered the package power driver from Chase Owens. Tanahashi runs through with a sling blade. Then Chase, uh, Osprey gets Chase up for the Stormbreaker. A, nails heavyweight, it. a heavyweight Stormbreaker. Yeah. Got Chase up there. Hit the Stormbreaker. One, two, three. Osprey's team gets the win here over Kenny's team. And you know, it was good stuff. And it was a preview for the big match that we'll cover on the second show. The Stormbreaker is such a complicated looking move I do one I watch sometimes when guys take that and I just wonder like do they have to be really coordinated to be able to like do that role like safely like I I feel like you would need to be right right like I feel like you could really screw yourself up if you didn't take that move correctly yeah I just my my thought I don't know so moving on to December 15th uh, this show started off with the return of Kenimitsu the young line who uh, suffered a uh, cervical spine injury back in action here. He teamed with Ren Narita to take on Ayato Yoshida and Shota Umino. Yeah, very interesting with uh, Turoki uh, Kenimitsu. We 
when we started the show, I had kind of mentioned that there was a, another young line who was out and, you know, that maybe his career was over. And that's what it seemed like. Many people thought his career was over. And then we, every now and again, we hear like a little rumor, you know, he's training in the dojo. He's in, you know, New Zealand working in Fale's dojo training guys. And we even had a question not too long ago, a few weeks back, where someone asked us and we were like, I don't think he's coming back. You know, I think he's taking a trainer role in New Zealand. Suddenly... He's ringside, you know, doing doing young boy duties. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's on this card. And it's, it's like, wow, it came from out of nowhere. Um, my hat's off to the guy because he came – he's coming back from what many people assumed was literally like – he was He's supposed to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, not only that, but it's not like – it's not like a Hanma situation or a um, – you know, Hiromu situation where this guy had a, a prolonged career and he was really established. Like he was a young lion and right. he's back and he's a young lion and he's older now and he's had time off. And it, it, you have to think like that must feel like such a setback. So like the fighting spirit, right. this guy he was showing. in the same class as Kawato. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, um, you know, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> I lost my word They're You know, they're basically peers. Right. So, uh, for him to come back, and I mean, we're a few generations removed from his class at this point. Right. And he's kind of taken on that duty. I did think it was interesting. Did you notice that his uh, his trunks... Or like the shiny, like, like spandex. Leather, like yeah. leather shimmery yeah. sort of thing. And also his shoes are not like the regular standard. Like they have different colors underneath. So um, kind of similar to like how they gave Jay White and... Uh, Dave Finley, like, the leeway to kind of alter their appearance a little bit. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, maybe because he is a senior, like, young lion, that maybe the, they're going to, like, fast track him. Sort of like what they did with Hinari when he came back from uh, injury last year. Yeah. Uh, that might be the case. Because I know he's been training guys in in, um, in Folly's Dojo, and they were very high on Kenamitsu when he was a young w- – during his first run. They were very high on him. They thought he was going to be, like, the guy. And right. not not Kawato. So, and uh, speaking of Fale's dojo, there were a couple new uh, young lions out at ringside during these Kirkland oh, Hall shows yeah, yeah. that were from Fale's dojo. Yo, I don't know who that bald guy is, that big young lion, but he looks terrifying. Like that's yeah. not a young lion I would want to like. If I'm like Jericho or like uh, Suzuki, <laughs> Suzuki, I might I might want to pick a different young lion yeah. to uh, wreck. You know. <laughs> But uh, this match, this was a good opener, and this was a great way for uh, kind of Mitsu to kind of test himself with the current crop of young lions right now. Uh, so I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. He's a lot heavier than he was before. Um, so he might even still be working on that. But he looked good here. Um, there was nothing really remarkable aside from the fact that Kenamitsu was in this match. But they went to a 15-minute draw. And the you know, at the end they kind of had Kanemitsu in trouble where Umino had him in a uh, in a Boston Crab as the time was expiring, but up to that point he was looking pretty good throughout the match. Like it, it did seem like they were giving him time to work off the ring rust. Um, Ren Narita wasn't in the match much. It, they yeah. gave they gave Kanemitsu a lot of time uh, to kind of like get his stuff in. Uh, to work a, a good match, and I, th- I thought he looked competent for sure. Yeah, I was a little. I mean, like, I don't want to say worried, but I mean, even them just like putting him in the Boston Crab and hearing that he had like a cervical spine injury, I'm like, mm-hmm. 
You know, like seeing them crank on that. And I feel like they, they were working the neck in this, this match. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that would be like his career long thing, like how every time like Ric Flair ever took a back bump. You remember that? The he car, broke his the, back in, in the, 1972. In the airplane act, in the aircraft. Yeah, yeah. that might be a, a deal for him. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations on Kenny Mitsu coming back. I thought everyone looked good here. Narita looked good. Yoshida, Shota Umino. I mean, these are, um, you know, the most senior young lions in the company right now. So this is the future, basically. Uh, 15 minutes, pretty good opener. Um, I think most times when young lions go to a draw, that's usually pretty significant. And I'll, I wonder if they're going to keep building on this afterwards or, you know, we'll see what they do with Kenny Mitsu. I'm not sure. Yeah. So next up, we had a six-man tag with Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo, Rapungi 3K against Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask 4, and Toa Hanare. Good good fun match. Uh, Fast-paced. Obviously, at this point, Sho and Yo are coming off of the, uh, the match they had the night previous. Um, so since they're not going to be involved in the match with LIJ and Suzuki-Goon later on in the night, this was kind of a showcase match for them to kind of heat them up for Wrestle Kingdom, get a, get a good win under their belt. Uh, I thought Toa Hanare looked great in this match, and uh, he always does. Um, I, I really like the interactions between him and Rocky Romero during this match. Yeah, and uh, Rapungi 3K uh, ended up getting the win here, uh, built some great momentum heading yep. into the Dome. Yep, fun match, 9 minutes, 25 seconds, they pick up the win, uh, they end up hitting the, uh, the 3K, the 3K yeah. Tiger Mask 4, and put them away for the 1-2-3. Then next up, we had the Chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroki Goto against uh, Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Iska. Um, yeah, so Suzuki-Goon attacked them before the bell, just surprise, like Surprise, surprise. Um, but overall, this didn't really... This was okay. Um, I, w- I would say the highlights were probably like the usual, the Ishii and Suzuki right. interactions, the strike exchanges. I was going to say, if you took that out of the match, for the most part, this would be a nothing match and probably even a very lowly rated match. But the Ishii and Suzuki stuff was very excellent. Goto was very good at the at like in the closing stretch. And that's kind of why I've been saying with him and Suzuki, they've been doing a lot of interacting in the closing stretches of these matches and then also during the on the outside during the uh the pre like the early p- portion of the matches where they're brawling the heat is on Goto and Suzuki and the focus is on them and so that's why I really think my prediction is that th- those will be the top two teams involved in the gauntlet yeah. uh, at Wrestle Kingdom just considering the names and everything involved that makes a lot of sense to me but um this is fine um, Goto ends up hitting a Ushiguroshi, and then Ishii hit a Brain Buster on uh, Isaka for the one, two, three. So, and then after that matchup, we had Evil and Sonata taking on Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens. Chase saying that they're going to prove why him and Yujiro should have been the team in the World Tag League and not Yujiro and Hangman. Um, so obviously this was a warm up match for Evil and Sonata. For I think the I think he's got that wrong. It was supposed to be Hangman and. Uh, and Chase Owens, but yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, warm-up, tune-up match for Evil and Sonata here. A lot uh, of talent in this match. A lot of talent. These guys gelled really well together. Uh, you know, your three-star special. <laughs> yeah, good good little match. Highlighting Evil and Sonata. And, uh, but the, the main thing that stuck out to me, which I thought was very good, was at the end of the match, Evil and Sonata ended up hitting the... Um, 
The Indie Taker. They ended up hitting the Indie Taker on, I believe it was Chase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they hit the Magic Killer on Yujiro to pick up the one, two, three. With the Indie Taker obviously being uh, young, one of the Young Bucks signature moves, and they took one of the signature moves from G.O.D. G.O.D. and kind of did that. So kind of sending a message to their opponents at Wrestle Kingdom. Some nice little breadcrumb, breadcrumbs thrown in there. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they've, they've kind of been doing the Magic Killer. They stole that from the feud last year. Yeah, I think the problem there was that, you know, the story was allegedly that Guns and Gallows, Carl Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows, Luke Gallows, whatever you want to call him, they had that was their finishing move, the Magic Killer. They had passed that down because they were, you know, good good brothers in the, <laughs> in the Bullet Club. They passed that down to G.O.D. So G.O.D. was supposed to have uh, kind of adapted that as their finishing finishing move, but... Lo and behold, LIJ won the World Tag League with it. They yeah. start using it all throughout the World Tag League. Yeah, so. and a lot of their tag matches, they use that. So It is their finisher yeah. now. So yeah. they kind of appropriated that from the Bullet Club. Yeah. So uh, the next matchup, we had more LIJ guys in action as Naito teamed up with Bushi and Shingo to take on Taichi, Kanamaru, and Desperado. Um, honestly, this is going to preview uh, Bushi and Shingo and Kanamaru and Desperado in that uh, triple threat uh, match at Wrestle Kingdom. Hey, can I tell you something? I freaking love this match. I thought this match was awesome. I don't know why. I seen I'm seeing a lot of people throwing out like three stars, things like that. I'm much higher on this match than that. I thought that this was one of the most. Maybe I'm crazy here, uh, listeners. If you're listening and you saw this match, maybe you can back me up. I thought it was one of the most memorable unmemorable six-man tag matches. <laughs> you know how there's, we have so many unmemorable six-man tags, and very there's very few that are notable. Mm-hmm. To me, this is one of the most notable six-man tags we had all year long from, like, an undercard on a Road to show. This was just so good to me. Um, Kanemaru and Desperado were out there doing some crazy crap like that. Uh, Kanemaru, or maybe it was Desperado, I can't remember, but they did that thing where they draped... Uh, I believe it was Bushi over the guardrail. They jumped up like their RVD. Oh, it was Kanemaru, I think. I think it was Kanemaru. Yeah. I was really surprised. It was Kanemaru. Yeah, he, he, he did that leg drop, that hangman's leg drop off yeah. of the the uh, the freaking thing, and then like Shingo ended up getting busted open hard yeah, on the outside. Yeah, he did. Yeah, like this match, and then it was really really fast paced. They did do a lot of brawling on the outside, but it was especially stiff and brutal brawling on the outside. Taichi, too, is doing, like, he again, I keep saying this, like, he's wrestling like he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think we might know why, but, like, he's just being extra vicious out there and kind of seeing them get, like, heat on Shingo, um, who's been made to look, like, pretty much indomitable so far and, like, untouched. And this guy got busted open. He was bleeding hard way from the side of his head all over the place, which... You know me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a blood <laughs> you, mark. You love the juice. Yeah, bro. Like the match goes up a whole, a whole quarter of a star. Like when, when you know someone gets some color. So, uh, and I thought Naito looked good here too. I thought everybody looked really, really good. Honestly, I, I like this match a lot for whatever reason. Yeah, it was good stuff. Um, like the stuff I'm seeing with Kanemaru and Desperado. Yeah, uh, it's like the first time all year I'm saying this about these guys. Well, Despi had a really good best of Super Juniors, but all you know. We, we just had award season, and we had a lot of people asking us, like, why Desperado wasn't on, you know, junior of the year ballot. And I just was like, I haven't seen him do enough, you know? Mm-hmm. People love this guy. 
And I remember last year we had him listed as one of our most improved. Most improved. So, I mean, we were kind of recognizing the same thing. He is great. But, man, there's so many nights where Ken and Mario and Desperado take it easy. And, like, you know, they've been champion for, like, 300 days. And they've defended, what, like, four times? <laughs> and I, I haven't thought to myself, aside from a few... Aside from a few good Desperado matches, and there's been less than a handful, maybe two or three. Honestly, if we're being like completely transparent, two or three. But people love the gimmick and they love the characters. Mm -hmm. But if we're being honest, like he hasn't been out there just blowing it up in these multi-man matches or blowing it up in these six-man tags. But like suddenly on this tour, because Wrestle Kingdom's coming up, like Kanemaru and Desperado have a fire lit under them, and they look they look like the tag team I've always wanted them to be all along. And yeah. Like, if they were putting in performances like this, I would have definitely had Desperado as like a best candidate as a nominee. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so towards the end of this match, uh, Kanemaru got his head taken off by Shingo of the Pumping Bomber. Oh my god, that Pumping Bomber, bro! It was almost like it was a receipt for getting busted open. Yo, he hit him so. What do you think busted him open? You think it was b being thrown into that guardrail, or do you think it was that that green tea that he hit him with? Because he hit him with it that was, green that tea. that bottle, yeah. He hit him with that bottle freaking hard. Bro. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what yeah. did it, but yeah, they hard weighed him. Um, so yeah, he hit the pumping. Welcome to New Japan, kid. <laughs> hit him with the pumping bomber. Uh, Bushi hits a suicide dive, and then Naito hits the Destino on Kanemaru to get the win. So Naito and Bushi and Shingo are celebrating, and then uh, Judas starts playing. Jericho's Titantron video comes on, and. All three of these guys are staring down the rampway, waiting for... They're thinking maybe a video is going to play, but Jericho... I just have to shake my head. These guys are so... Yeah. LIJ is the worst when it comes to these sneak attacks. Like, yeah. They've literally gotten pwned by Jericho all freaking year. And especially because they actually knew Jericho was here because there was a press conference... He's here in town. There was a press conference <laughs> before this show... Where Jericho and Naito were there, and there was an altercation. It broke down, and Jericho and Naito got into a, a fight at this press conference. It, it's one thing if, like, you're in Fukuoka, and Jericho, you know, travels across the country, and you don't know he's there. It's, it's another thing when you spit in his face at a press conference the day before. you got to imagine. Him. Jericho son. Yeah. Jericho son. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, just, they're so stupid. And then, like, Jericho comes in. Hits everybody with chairs. Yeah. So, you know, Bushi and Shingo roll out. But, like, they're at ringside the whole time that this is all, like, going down while he continues to attack Naito. Like, I'm like, you guys couldn't recover from it. You got you got hit with chairs on the outside from uh, LIJ or from Suzuki-Goon and you were able to, like, continue to, like, wrestle a match. That's why, like, sometimes... Well, well Jericho used his ECW style... <laughs> To hit them with the chair in the right way to keep them down. Oh my god, I love that promo <laughs> so much. If you guys don't know what what uh, Jeremy's talking about, there's this promo where last year where uh, Jericho's like, he's like, Kenny Omega, you have really good New Japan style. Like, you have a really good New Japan style. The problem is, I'm a master of all the styles. I've got war style, New Japan style, ECW, ECW style, WCW style, WCW style, WWE style, CMLL style, Europe style. I'm a master of all the styles, baby. Dude. <laughs> I love it. When he says he's got war style, I freaking love it so much. You're probably right. He, he utilized those vicious chair shots that he learned from Balls Mahoney back in 95. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he carried... Actually, it's disrespectful, though, like... Um, 
Well, I guess I guess uh, I was gonna say like if Suzuki was in this match, you think he doesn't know how to throw a chair the right way, like. <laughs> but um, no, sometimes like the the breaking logic is kind of stupid. Like guys get hit with one chair and they're on the ground and they can't keep going. But early in the match, you just got pummeled with chairs and you kept fighting, and it's like maybe, maybe the uh, the adrenaline wore off. Yeah. Uh, after they after they've claimed their victory, I don't know, man. Like, but. For whatever reason, this man Naito has this clan of dudes, and every time he gets jumped by Jericho, no one ever is like got his back except for that one time where Evil sort of had his back after he got pummeled already. Yeah, like these these guys kept they keep leaving Naito like laying like they keep letting him down. Like Lij is terrible when it comes to these attacks <laughs> from Jericho. Like seriously, but uh, uh, they did do a good job of getting some uh, more heat for this feud. It was stuff at the press conference. Post match attack here. Did you watch the press conference? Yes, I did. Yeah. What did you think about that? I thought it was interesting. The uh, the attack there. Um, I thought it was good. You know, because obviously with Jericho not being there all time, I thought it was good for them to get some altercation there. So the Jericho and um, Naito feud has been kind of interesting to me because last year Jericho was in a feud that basically popped the territory. You know, mm-hmm. the, the match with him and Kenny Omega being this big dream feud. And they did a lot of these same sort of things. They did press conferences. They did sneak attacks. And, man, it just really built that thing up to where... And, I mean, it was already, like, big just given the names and everything. This one is more so... We've seen Jericho this year. Even though he's only here... How many matches has he had? Three? Yeah. Well... Yes, three. Yeah, the Omega match, the Naito match, and the Evil match. It does feel like he's a little more exposed, but the fact of the matter is he's having a return match with Naito, and I think part of the reason why this match, to me, feels a little... Well, A, it's not going to be a main event or a co-main event, so that's part of it. B, look at Naito's trajectory this past year. We'll talk about this, but, you know, the the... Uh, Tokyo Sports MVP awards just came out. He wasn't at the top for the, you know, he was for the last two years running. He wasn't this year, and he wasn't close to winning it either. And he didn't win the New Japan MVP award either. Um, so anyone who's kind of, uh, I know there's a lot of like Naito fanboys who love this guy, and I love Naito. But a lot of them like complain and we say like, look, you know, just calm down. But maybe they are onto something because look at where he is as far as popularity. And I know we say like he gets all these pops and everything, but mm. he's down on the card. Yeah, he's down on the card. He's probably making less money. This match with Jericho feels less important, and given the fact that it is a rematch. Like it felt like a big deal at Dominion and at Wrestle Kingdom. Given how stacked this card is, it's a welcome addition. Don't get me wrong. No one's complaining about Jericho and Naito, I don't think. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like this monumental thing. And so they are doing all these um, press conferences and all these attacks. But I feel like even the press conferences and the attacks, while they're good, that's just what they are. They're good. This match is just a good matchup. It doesn't feel like this special moment. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. It doesn't feel like they're going to steal the show and have like a WrestleMania moment to me for some reason. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this feud where we're at with everything? You know, um, I think they're they're doing the best of what they can with with Jericho on such a limited schedule. And like you said, the the kind of luster of it, the first time ever Jericho Naito, obviously that's gone. Um, we saw the match already, so um, I am curious to see how the match is going to be laid out this time. 
because this is a, a very stacked Wrestle Kingdom card. So sad. And they're going to be in, you know, following matches like Osprey and Abushi. Um, there's going to be a lot of other bangers throughout the night. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do this time around to try to make this match stand out and feel special. Uh, but I do think this match will be the start of kind of the rebuilding of Naito. And I think Naito is going to be in store for a big 2019. I would recommend, if you haven't watched the press conference, go out of your way to watch it. It's not necessarily listed as being like English content, but a, a little heads up, if you're ever trying to watch any of these press conferences, there's not always an English translator, but if one of the wrestlers speaks English, there will always be an English translator because they have to translate the English comments into Japanese for the Japanese wrestler. And then the Japanese comments into English for the, um, you know, for the English-speaking wrestler, which is very nice. So um, I watched this uh, press conference just recently, and I feel like New Japan needs to do a better job. They do so many things well, but they don't get these press conferences out into the media enough because it's, right. it feels like no one in America is watching them, and they're doing an excellent job telling the story. I, one thing I really liked about it was Naito was talking about how. Jericho thinks he's this big star, but basically you're not. You're past your prime, and you just happened to win the belt. And if you, and like basically he was saying that, what he was trying to say was last year New Japan used you because of your WWE name value to pop the 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 pay per view, and then they were done with you. Yeah, they didn't want you anymore because they got what they needed out of you. You just happened to shoehorn yourself into a title shot and won the title by jumping me. But after the fact, nobody wanted to fight you. He's like, Sonata hasn't challenged you. Omega hasn't challenged you. Tanahashi, Okada. None of the big players in New Japan are like, I really want to face Chris Jericho. Yeah. And he was like, you're a nobody in this company, basically. And he even went as far to say, he was like, dude, he was like, if you didn't have the title, we wouldn't be using you on this card. Which I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, dude. Um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but then he was like, I don't want the title, but I want you to be irrelevant. So I'm going to take the title from you and make you irrelevant. And you'll be buried. Once Once you don't have the belt, you have no value to New Japan anymore. And, like, Jericho got pissed. <laughs> and he was like, you stupid son of a bitch. You don't know how re the wrestling business works. You don't know what a draw is. You don't know. He was like, he, he basically started talking about all the money he draws and how He's won titles everywhere he's gone. He's beaten legends everywhere that he's gone. And he, like, is a true legend. And Naito doesn't understand anything about this business. And he's just this, like, little peon piece of crap that, yeah. like, Jericho's going to basically snuff out. And, um, freaking. And it was all. Oh, yeah. And one thing is, Jericho was, like, saying that he's never lost to any Japanese wrestler in New Japan ever. Right. Which is not true. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's this, there's this really, like, nice little nifty thing called cage match and you can just look up wrestlers records um and we're like if we're just counting singles matches not even tag matches or multi-man matches just straight up singles matches this man has lost to shinjiro otani takashi isaka <laughs> who you might know as you know the crazy man from suzuki goon um and he's lost to jushin thunder liger in straight one-on-one -on -one matches so I don't know what the crap he is talking about. But that wasn't the alpha, Chris Jericho. I guess it wasn't the that alpha. Was, that was Lionheart. Yeah, that was Lionheart. That's a different person. I guess. <laughs> he, but he said, he did talk about how like, um, oh, and I loved how Jericho was talking about how uh, 
uh, essentially Naito was like, you, you know, you've only shown up a couple times here. You're nobody to us. And, and Jericho's like, I've done 60 tours of Japan. He's like, I've been to every single little town, every single little city. He's like, and I'm, I'm, I literally am a megastar. I can pick my dates. I can show up when I want to. He's like, this company doesn't tell me what to do. He's like, nobody here runs Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho runs Chris Jericho. He's like, and I, he's like, if I didn't want to have this match, I wouldn't be having this match. He's like, but I want to put you out of wrestling. So I'm coming here to basically end you, which I freaking loved. And like Naito had had enough of it and he just spit in his face. Yeah. And then 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 the brawl broke out. Now the brawl, the one thing about it was the heat was really good. The talking points are really good. The brawl didn't like leave me. It was just kind of fine. I mean, Naito was being tranquilo, like wasn't even trying to brawl. I did like where like where Jericho was losing his like crap, and he was like tranquilo, Chris, tranquilo. Asenayo. Asenayo. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love this. He's like Jericho san. Jericho san. <laughs> Jericho san. <laughs> Which I thought that was really really good, but um, you know, it's kind of like I don't want to say this because sounds mean, but like this feud is kind of like the poor man's Alpha Omega. Yeah, like it's not as heated, but it's they're doing the same sort of tropes. Um, it's still good. Don't get me wrong. Like anytime you give me brawls and guys getting jumped in New Japan, which we rarely get it, I'm gonna be behind it because that's just the kind of wrestling fan that I am. But um, it does feel like where, for instance, I am criticizing Omega Knight and Tanahashi for not doing stuff like this. But in a way, they don't need it as much as this match does. This match really does need it. Right. And the story lends itself to this because of given the match they had at Dominion. But they need it. They need it. The only thing that's weird to me is like I would be putting more emphasis on my main event matches versus this one. It seems like they're putting a lot of effort into this one. Um, probably because Jericho. Jericho's got creative freedom. He's probably the one who's like deciding to do all right. This He's like, yeah, I want to do this for my match. Yeah. Um, and again, it's one of those things where, where I feel like they're they're kind of just relying on the draw of Omega versus Tanahashi for that feud. Right. And feeling well, we'd heat up Jay White Okada. We'd heat up Naito Jericho. Um, my one big thing is, um, Jericho has jumped this guy a few times now throughout the year, and this last one was like the weakest one. Yeah. Like the one, the one at um, New Year's Dash last year was like well, the that, worst. Was that was wild. That was yeah. wild. That yeah. was the worst one, and you we were we were heated for six months off that. This one, I'm like, eh, can it get me? Can 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 the heat of this get over for the next two weeks? I guess you know yeah. it's coming up, but um, I mean, were you were expecting an attack? I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, they had. I feel like they had to do something physical before Wrestle Kingdom, and I was expecting. Jericho to pop up on one of these two uh, Road to Tokyo Dome shows and chose the second night. So, yeah, I was kind of expecting something. But you know what? They must be doing something right because here I am sitting here just rambling on and on about this. Whereas, how much do I have to say about Omega and Tanahashi right now? Yeah. Very little. You know? Right. And we do have a preview show yeah, coming we've, up we've, in about we've two talk, weeks. We've talked more about Okada and Jay White. We've talked more about Naito and Jericho. There's just a little bit more to sink your teeth into when it comes to the build. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not... St- like, last week I told everybody my the match I'm most looking forward to is Omega and Tanahashi, and I still feel that way, but I wish that they were doing more for that match. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we'll move on to the last two matches of the night. So we had the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Jay White. And Taiji Ishimori in 10-man tag action taking on Chaos uh, slash Sekigun. So Kazushika Okada, Togi Makabe, Toru Yano, 
Tomiyoki, Hanma, and Kushida. And kind of building here to the matches between Okada and Jay White, as well as Kushida's challenge uh, or defense of the Junior Heavyweight Championship against Taiji Ishimori. And um, this was good. And this was, man, I like this Bullet Club. Like, I just, I'm liking this Bullet Club, man. Yeah, they are really um, gelling together, kind of being in sync. and They're dominant is yes. another thing, too. This match just, like, really, like put it into my mind that like dude since jay white has like i guess taken over whatever they're like not losing right and this is like ever this match is pretty much what we've seen throughout the world tag league tour with those matches against the mega aces where the bull club dominates and they win they do what they need to do you know they have Jado and ghetto out there they take the any means necessary they're gonna find a way to win if you notice to Okada in all these matches going back to power struggle, he's not trying to win any of these matches. He just wants to freaking get his hands right. on Jay White. And Gato, yeah. And sometimes it's at the detriment of his team. I don't know if anyone in his team is like getting mad about this or not, but like he doesn't care he doesn't give a crap about nothing. Right. He goes into a blind rage yeah. and just wants to pummel Jay White, doesn't care about winning the matchup. And that could be a problem coming into Wrestle Kingdom. He can't just want to beat you know, pummel Jay White. Like he needs to think about how he's gonna win this match. I have you noticed that his hair is getting a little lighter. Yeah, he's letting that red uh, fade out, fade out a little bit, and he's kind of um, he's wearing his like he has like three long boy attires, and he's wearing the second one now. Did you notice that? I didn't catch that. He's not wearing the all red one anymore. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong on this. He's wearing the one that's like golden red and, okay. and black. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. He has the all red one, the, the, the what I call his broken Okada attire. He's kind of transitioned back to the like mid attire. And I'm like, is he getting ready for for uh, for a Tokyo Dome like reemergence of, of the Rainmaker? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be happy till he's back in, in tights, but whatever. <laughs> I hate those freaking pants so... Oh, my God, I hate those pants. I hate... It, bro, like, I always want to, like, not say anything, and then I start thinking about it and reflecting on it, and I get... P- the other day, bro, I was on Instagram, and someone posted, like, a video of him having a match with somebody, and he was back in his old attire. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, why does his attire matter so much to me? I really couldn't tell you. But he was just so much better in the old attire, and like the new attire freaking sucks. I'm sure this is what people probably felt like when Randy Savage went to like full body suits. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Yeah. Uh, so this match came down at the end where uh, Hunma gets hit with the uh, kendo stick, and then uh, Loa hits the ape shit on him, which is kind of scary considering. I know. I know. Yeah. He's he does it pretty safe though. Yeah, he does. Uh so he hits that and Bullet Club gets the win here. Again, yeah, I I think the big thing was the post match yeah, angle. They laid out um Jay White laid out Okada and Ishimori laid out Kushida. Well, the real interesting thing was that like Okada was on the outside and he wanted to come in and attack Jay White. Oh yeah, yeah. But Jay White basically stood on the on the apron and he was just backed up by the entire bullet club and he was like telling him that like this is what happens when you face me you don't win i win i own you this is our era this is our ring this is the bullet club he's like i own you 
And like they're all just like jaw jacking him and like Okada can't do crap. And I was like, wow, this is like crazy. And then uh, they all go to do the little two sweet and Okada rushes back in the ring behind their backs and he just attacks all of them, but then he gets laid out. Well, he attacked Jay White, but they all just, just, just mauled him. Mauled him, and then Kushida runs in and throws his body over Okada's, and they just start pounding on on him. And I was like, "That's so great!" Like you got the Sekigun guy coming in and like trying to like stand up for the ace, and then they all just got destroyed basically. And I'm then like, "Then they grabbed them, hit him with that bloody cross." Yeah, yep. So I mean, um. Basically, every instance almost over the past, I don't even know, four months, like, where these guys have interacted, like, Jay White stands tall. Yeah, looking strong. Very strong. Very, very strong. Um, So, yeah. So, we move on to the main event of the evening. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay against Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, and this match freaking ruled. If you have not seen this match yet, I don't know what the heck you're doing. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go turn on New Japan World and watch this freaking tag match. Sometimes I wonder if we should do what other podcasts do and start our shows with the top highlights and start from the top and just... Because this obviously was the highlight. But I like what we do where we just follow what they did because they build to the main events and we just follow them and we just build to the main events. Now like they're now we're sitting in strong style studios and there's this freaking big fight feel. Like I feel electricity <laughs> while we're recording, keeping a strong style, because this match was freaking awesome, bro. Like yes. and it didn't have to be this awesome. Right. They could have mailed it in. They could have gave us a, a three star effort. Three and a half stars. And we would I mean, they could have given us three and a half stars in their sleep. No yeah. effort whatsoever. And we would have been very happy. Yeah. This was a tag team match for the ages, bro. Like, Dude, it had everything that you could think of, dude. The work rate was amazing. The strikes. The crowd was hot for it. Um, building these two big title matches at Wrestle Kingdom. This was amazing. I liked this match better than the Osprey and Ishii versus Golden Lovers match from a few months ago. So do I. Like, I loved this match. Um, yeah. And I really, really just, I liked the way that it built. They gave him 30 minutes, bro. Yeah, dude. And, dude, all the false finishes in this match, bro. There were so many times when I literally thought this match was going to be over, and they just kept going and kept going. What was excellent about it, it wasn't your typical um, main of like for instance what i what i'm trying to say is how do i articulate this <laughs> sometimes when they have big tag team matches right you get certain tropes right mm-hmm. where they might start really really fast or that sort of thing mm-hmm. other times you get these like road to tag team matches where they kind of start with like the chain wrestling and then they build to the heat and then the you know the the uh, sh- the shine, the heat, and then the comeback, and then it's kind of over. Mm-hmm. This match started that way, where like if you were just watching it for the first fifteen minutes, you would have thought this is your typical everyday normal road to match, a very good one, mind you, but just your typical road to tag team match. There was nothing in the first like ten to fifteen minutes to indicate that this was going to be a classic. Right. But then they just kept building on it and building on it and building on it and building on it. And then the false finishes kept meaning more and more because the match got to a point where you thought it peaked and it should have ended. 
where all the other Road 2 tag team matches in New Japan end. And they're like, oh, wait, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. Right. And then we're going to do this. And then you were like hanging by the edge of your seat. And you're like, wait, what is happening? Right. And I think one of the, the giveaways here was that this match was given a 60-minute time limit. I didn't even notice. Yeah, um, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton mentioned that. And so, I mean, that usually the big main event matches are the matches that get 60 minutes. That's a good call. Um, you are so astute. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when I heard that, I was like, hmm, they're getting 60 minutes. And they just went out there and went balls to the wall. You had Osprey doing a double Spanish fly on Omega and Ibushi. The great camera work of when um, Ibushi goes for the uh, springboard Rana and Will Ospreay lands on his feet, turns back with that angry look, and that and uh, Bushi just shook. And the camera work was awesome because you, you're close yes. up on Bushi. Ospreay's in the background. It was a beautiful camera work, and I think that's going to be the story of their match. Yeah, and that Ishibushi is underestimating Ospreay. He doesn't realize how good Ospreay is, and that's going to be the downfall of Bushi. Now, here's one thing that's interesting about this: Bushi has done this before. Okay. Uh, in his matches with Ricochet, there was a spot where... They right, did the, the same exact spot. The same exact thing. And in wrestling, this sort of thing happens all the time, where you see the same exact stuff all the time. What really matters is when they milk it, and they know the timing and the drama. And it's like, in the matches where he did it with Ricochet, Ricochet you know, flips over, lands on his feet, they keep going. Going, right. It's unmemorable. The only reason you would remember it is if, like, you really have a great memory, like, like certain wrestling fans. This was different, you know. Instead of that, like, and what I mean by this is, like, let's take for example Jimmy Snuka jumping off the cage on Don Morocco. Do you know how many times guys had jumped off the? You know how many times Jimmy Snuka had jumped off the cage before that match at Madison Square Garden? Like a million times. But the reason that that one is like so memorable is it, the way it was caught on camera. The way it was built, all the ambiance around it, like it made it special. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen guys in wrestling do that sort of same thing all the time, but like when when you have the right setting and the right story in place and the right timing and everything, it all really matters. And when he freaking when Kotobushi flipped Will Osprey and Osprey just landed on his feet, and Osprey's just standing there and like smirking and looking around to the crowd, and he's looking like a freaking juggernaut because. Yeah. Osprey's jacked right now. Yeah, dude, he is jacked to the gills right now. And Abushi's just like sitting there, and he's not even looking behind him, but he just has this look on his face, like the facial, like. Well, he hear he heard him he how heard, he heard how he landed, yeah. and he was like, "Oh my god, this dude just landed on his feet!" And I was like, "Oh, this is storytelling, bro. Like yeah. this is this is excellent." Um, how about the fact that this match was the freaking Will Osprey show? Oh yeah, dude, this is all about Will Osprey. I mean, he was the standout star in this match. In a match with Kenny Omega, a match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, a match with Kota Ibushi. Dude, okay, let's put this in perspective, people, okay? Hiroshi Tanahashi is maybe the greatest storyteller in all of wrestling today. Still, at even at this age, maybe the most emotional-inducing wrestler of all time. Then you got Kenny Omega probably if not the greatest big match wrestler that has ever lived like maybe better than Shawn Michaels you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then you got Kotobushi who might just literally be the most talented ring worker alive today these three guys all were taking a back seat to Will Ospreay Tanahashi barely did anything in this match to be honest like Tanahashi had played his role did his spots 
came in and threw dragon screws when he needed to and you know high five flow or or uh you know a sling blade when necessary but it was all will yeah and it felt like everybody in this match was doing their damnedest to put will over like will looked like he should have been like he needs to be in the the fucking in the freaking G1 dude dude i i hope i'm praying that we get osprey in the G1 next year he needs to be at this rate can you imagine how great next year's G1 will be with Osprey in one of those blocks? Yes. One thing I want to say though, maybe I shouldn't say. I don't know. Is it alarming to you how much how much muscle he's put on in such a short amount of time? He's, he's on. You think he's on the gas? <laughs> he on the gas dream? <laughs> All I'm saying is, you know, they don't test in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like he suddenly is way bigger like and he looks great and i'm like vince sees this dude and he's gonna be getting nxt offers yeah and, you know like he looks excellent damn pal get that osprey fella <laughs> but yeah dude this i cannot praise this match enough i went the full five snowflakes on it i'm not five on it i'm not five on it just yet um for me, I'm kind of trying to limit the whole five thing. Like, there's got to be a little... To me, there has to be some intangibles at this point that really pushes it up to that level. But, I mean, anyone who gives it five, I really wouldn't argue with you on it. Uh, I would probably go somewhere between four and a half and four and three quarters on this thing. But, with that being said, everything that is good and right about professional wrestling is summed up in just this one match. And, I mean, this match is like... The epitome of modern pro wrestling. Yeah. This is just... Dude, this was a very, very special match. You need to go out of your way to watch it. Um, it, it is like an early match of the year contender already for next year's awards. Our our voting is about to close here in the next few days, but we already cut off, you know, after right. Power Strong. Our, our grading period is uh, November to December. But, like, next week we're going to name the December Wrestler of the Month and, and the December... Uh, well, next week we'll have the, we'll, the whole awards will be next week that's right i mean i i don't know when we're gonna name i mean there's no more december events so right. we could already we at this point we could but i mean i can't there is nothing that's gonna touch this when it comes to match of the month and i mean this is a blow away match of the right month. let's just say it right now yeah this, yeah. this is a december match Gold, of the golden month. lovers versus tanahashi and osprey's match of the month but be like sh- no shadow doubt and you know what thinking about it Thinking, I know I asked you before the show. Like, I think Will Osprey is probably wrestler of the month. Yeah, the match with Osprey, the match he had here with uh, the. Or I'm sorry, with Taichi in this match. Yeah, like he's probably wrestler of the month already. Also, yeah. so like Will, in one calendar year, Will Osprey has been wrestler of the, of the month three times. Yeah, it's freaking stellar year. This is this is just in New Japan. It's not even counting what he's done outside of New Japan. Yeah, this guy is like one of the best in the world. Yeah, dude, this guy is amazing. And he snubbed me WrestleMania weekend, and I will never forget that. <laughs> so I will always have heat with this guy, but he's just incredible, man. Just incredible. And then at the end of this, the, the snow came down. Oh, and yeah. I love when the snow comes down. Before, let's talk about the finish real quick. Okay. So uh, the Golden Lovers, they hit the Indie Taker, but uh, Tanahashi makes a save. Then they hit the uh, Golden Trigger on Osprey to get the win here. And then, like you mentioned... They hit him with a bunch of... Crap! Like, um, oh, how, when um, <laughs> I know we're still on this match. How about when um, Tanahashi hit the high five flow on Omega, and then Osprey hit the shooting star press, and I was oh. like, 
I was like, yo, he's about to be. Yeah, I was like, dude, is Osprey about to pin <laughs> Omega? Pin Omega. Dude, are we setting up Omega Osprey title match for MSG? You know what this actually reminded me of in a way? This was very reminiscent to the night after Wrestle Kingdom when Kenny Omega pinned Shinsuke Nakamura and he had that star making performance when he was tagging with AJ and mm-hmm. then he ended up kicking AJ out afterwards. That match was all about Kenny Omega and it was like the genesis of his heavyweight run. Yeah. That's what this felt like to me for Will Ospreay. Even though he didn't win here, I don't know how he could have looked any better in this match. Um yeah, like yeah, freaking Osprey tried to hit that um after uh, I'm just trying to remember like what happened. So basically like after they hit the shooting star uh and got the two, basically um Abushi came in, broke that up. Osprey tried to get Stormbreaker on Omega. Omega hit a reverse Hurricane Rana. And then um, after he hit the reverse Hurricane Rana, Ibushi hit him with the last ride. And then Omega hit him with the, the J drill. Yep. And then he got hit with, with the V trigger. Yep. Then he countered the One Wing Angel into a Hurricane Rana that was like literally one of the most picturesque uh, Hurricane Ranas I've ever seen in my life. The way that Kenny like dove into it and he like landed on his shoulders was like scary as heck. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, and then he freaking hook kicked uh, Kenny Omega after he got the two. Tried to hit the Oz cutter. Abushi kicked Omega by accident, um, and then they all fall on the ground. So it's like all four guys are laid out. Corkin's going nuts, and then the Golden Lovers hit the Indie Taker on on Omega. Uh, Tanahashi makes the save, and then they finally kick Tanahashi out, hit the Golden Trigger, and get the one, two, three. Like. It's one of the most heated finishes to a tag team match I've seen yeah. in a long time. I was like, oh, so freaking good. Yeah, so highly recommend you need to go out of your way to watch this match if you have not watched this match yet. December match of the month. Amazing match. Great stuff. Check it out. I loved it. Um, so we have a few more questions here, and then we're going to jump into the news. Actually, we have a question here about Will Ospreay. Uh, do you think Will Ospreay will move from the junior division after Wrestle Kingdom? This comes from BJ Baker in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. And BJ, yes, I do think that um, after Wrestle Kingdom, we are going to see Ospreay uh, probably uh, potentially move full-time up into the heavyweight division. And, I mean, I highly expect Ospreay to be in the G1 next year. I heard someone... Um I was reading on Twitter and someone was speculating what if Osprey wins the Never title and then after he wins the Never title he def- like he basically considers himself as an open weight contender mm-hmm. and we see him in both the best of the Super Juniors as well as the G1. Yeah, I did see that. Dude, that would be sick. Um I don't anticipate that. I mean, that would be hell on his body. Yeah. <laughs> um I gotta imagine that this was probably the best or the last best of the Super Juniors we're gonna see Will Ospreay in. Um, given his frame and given the amount of muscle that he's putting on and the type of matches he's starting to have, I think that this is officially like we can pretty much at this point say he's done with Junior. I'm pretty yeah. sure he is. Um, I assume that we're not gonna see him go to heavyweight after this. I think he's at heavyweight right now already. Right. This is it. He's he's there. Then we have a question here from Reddit user Scythe underscore Axe. Do you think the main event uh, this year will surpass the will surpass the past ones or not? And do you think the storyline of Omega and Tanahashi has been well told? Well, do I think that the main event of this year's Wrestle Kingdom will surpass 
previous main events? Of course I do, because I think it's going to be an excellent match, and I can't imagine that it will be the worst Wrestle Kingdom main event. The only way it couldn't surpass past events is if it is literally the worst Wrestle Kingdom main event in history, uh, which if you do your... Or even January 4th Tokyo Dome main events, which I don't think that's possible, given who's in it. Um, do I think it's going to be better than... Let's, I'll just add to this question. Do I think it'll be better than, say, Okada and Omega? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it has the potential to be a match of the year contender next year. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. Um and we kind of already touched on the second part of the storytelling between Omega and Tanahashi that it's been kind of lacking and that they could have done, uh, come to use some more heat behind it. I think the story is good. Yeah, the story is good. The story is good. The premise is good. The execution is lacking. And hey, you want to know why? Because Kenny was not, was not there. Kenny's not there. And you can't build a match when someone's not on the tours period but here's another thing jeremy they are drawing up they're going to draw a bigger house this year than they did last year and they're selling tickets faster than they did last year so maybe it's just little fanboys like me <laughs> who are bitching and complaining about something that at the end of the day what is this what is this business about drawing money are they drawing money? Yep. So what am I complaining about? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so another question from Reddit user, your underscore personal underscore Jesus. said, now the year is over. Do you agree with the sentiment that they think that this was a down year for New Japan? If so, why do you think that is? Jeremy, what are your opinions on this? I do not agree with the sentiment that this was a down year for New Japan. I think this has been a great year for New Japan as far as match quality, developing new stars, drawing bigger gates, U.S. expansion, merchandise. Uh, Yeah, Tanahashi in a movie this year. Um, The coverage on Access TV, coverage from other news sites, uh, being involved with stuff like All In. Um, just uh, Harold May. I think it, this has been a monumental year for New Japan. We didn't even touch on, and I, this is probably a great place to talk about it, the opening segment to these Road to Tokyo Dome shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's freaking awesome. They do a whole 2018 year in review. Oh, by the way, we skipped over it. The snow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, s- the snow fell at the end, which they always do that on the last uh, Cork and Hall show of the year. But mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things. I love it when they do that. And, um, yeah, Kenny Kenny cut this long kind of like scathing promo on uh, Tanahashi for a bit there, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the opening to the Road to Tokyo Dome shows, they had a really long opening promo video. And it just showed month by month big event after big event it just gave you like if you are not as familiar with new japan or you're just jumping in and you kind of want uh something to kind of show you some of the big highlights that video is awesome and watching that video it is kind of hard i know it's hype and i know it's propaganda but it is kind of hard to watch that video and think that this this year's been anything other than excellent right yeah this year has been amazing now I know that we are a new japan pro wrestling podcast and we can be very we are fans of this product 
So, I mean, we can be very prone to just like circle jerking or whatever the <laughs> crap you want to call it. Um, are there things that people have been concerned about and bothered about about the, the direction of the product? Yes, there have been. Have people complained about the direction after the G1 and felt like it was a down period? Yes. But doesn't it kind of feel like it's always that way after the G1 every single year? Yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I agree with every decision that they made. Uh, I think that people who have complaints about the direction of Tetsuya Naito and LIJ, those are valid. People who have complaints about the direction of the Bullet Club Civil War and the westernization of New Japan, and some of those things are very valid. I am a very, I try my best to be an open minded individual, and I will not sit here and just like cling on to one narrative. You know right, what I mean? Right. I'm not going to be this New Japan like gatekeeper. gatekeeper who just pretends like everything that they've ever done all year is perfect and positive. In fact, we've been criticized for being critical about things that, that New Japan has done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you look at the whole year and you and, and you compare apples to apples and you compare to what this company does to what WWE does or to even bro, I don't care. Put it up against NXT, put it up against Impact, put it up against CMLL. This is the best wrestling company in the freaking world. Amen, brother. And that's why it's the easiest podcast to do. Like yeah. we don't even have to be that talented or skilled like <laughs> It's just easy because this freaking stuff rocks. And was this 2017? In some ways, no. But at the same time, like, Dave Meltzer gave more four, five-star matches this year to this company than he has ever done in the past. There's years where he never gave a five-star match to any wrestling match in the entire world. Now it's like you turn on any, like, streaming product – like Power Slam TV for only four ninety nine a month. By the way, I looked that up. It's only four ninety nine for Power Slam TV. Mm. That's crazy. That's crazy, and you get a free month with that code Social Suplex. But you compare New Japan to any other company out there, and how can you possibly say that this is a down year when the gates are up, the international numbers are up, the business is up, they're making more money than they ever have ever in the history of the entire company. The, the roster is so bloated that, like, people are talking about who should they get rid of instead of who should they sign. Right. When the rest of the world is in an arms race to get all the talent that's out there, this company is cultivating talent and building new stars. And, you know, people have complained about Jay White, but look, they've made him into a freaking star. Yeah, dude. They have, yeah, they've took him and molded him and groomed him to be, you know, a top main event guy. Look what they do with Zack Sabre Jr., like this year, there's no way this year is a down year. Can can you have complaints and, and concerns as a New Japan fan? Absolutely. Can some of them be valid? Absolutely. But if this is a chicken and you're having to spit out bone, there's a lot more meat than bone when it comes to this product. Yeah. The the bones are so minuscule and it's and mostly I mean, just think protein. Think of the majority of the tournaments this year. The G1 Climax oh this year. Oh, my God. The best of the Super Juniors. The New Japan Cup, which is normally not one of the better tournaments of the year. The World Tag League. World Tag League. Like Everything was everything was literally fire like this the, year. The worst, tour of, the worst tournament of the year was probably the Super Junior Tag League, and it wasn't even that bad. 
it's just a bunch of like three and a three star three and a quarter matches but even that for the most part was it was fine and yeah and all the people are like worried about the westernization of new japan and you know the elite and all that those guys are probably starting their own company anyway so hats off to you all the people that were like concerned about tetsuya naito well look jericho's about to put him over in the tokyo dome <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and he's about to have like a banner year. Like 2019 is going to be all about Okada and Naito rebuilding their brands, rebuilding themselves, and redeeming themselves. So um, just get ready. Like, because I, based on what they've done in 2018, I see nothing but positives for 2019. Unless like Harold May and like, uh, who's the guy that ever, Michael Craven do some crazy <laughs> shit? Like, uh, but yeah. it's been great, man. It's been great. Question from Reddit user Senpai got laid. Which stable? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which stable uh, will Kawato's son join? He will start his own stable. <laughs> Kawato Goon. <laughs> <laughs> Kawato International. I don't know. Kawato Inc. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Um, I mean, the easy answer is well, he's a CMLL guy, so he'll join Suzuki or Lij. Yeah. But um, I have no clue. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I, I mean, Lij is like the only like that's the only get like logical guess I could say. Otherwise, like I have no idea. I don't want to. I'm. This is a good question. I'm not. Hey, Senpai got laid. Great name, by the way. <laughs> I'm not gonna criticize your question, but I just want to point something out. Every week, we get questions about where the young lions are gonna go, or about what factions they're gonna go to, or how the faction should be restructured. And not only is that a common question for us, it's like every time I go on Reddit, I see it all over Reddit. Every time I go on Twitter, which I hardly ever do, I see it all over Twitter. It is so weird that this is like this very fixated thing that like New Japan fans love to like fantasize. Well, I think that just shows you what a great job New Japan does with yeah. pushing their young lions. The fans are invested. They care. Where are these guys going? Where, where are they going on an excursion? When they come back, what's the gimmick going to be? What stable? What faction they're going to join? What title program are they going to be in? People legitimately care about these guys. And it is funny because it is not something I really think about because... I just got to think, like, to put it into, to give you guys a little peek insight into how I think, I think, like, I had no clue what Sho and Yo were going to do when they were in CMLL or when they were the Tempora Boys in Ring of Honor. I had no clue. You know what I mean? I could have never imagined that they'd end up managed by Rocky Romero. Right. There's no way we could guess. They're going to be in a faction called Rapungi 3K. <laughs> when Kamatachi was having, you know, his mask versus Matt mask matches with Dragon Lee and CMLL, I never would have imagined he would end up in LIJ. I don't even know if, like, when he was doing that LIJ... LIJ had just started, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it didn't exist. So, if, let's say we've been doing the podcast in 2015, early 2015, like, how could I have told you he's gonna end up as a ungovernable? I wouldn't have known, you know? the pro Like, it didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just think about, like, at no point in my life have I ever like been like, oh, this guy that's out on excursion is going to end up here and it's going to be like accurate. There's just not – I just know that I won't be right. So it's like I do – I, I appreciate that you guys like our opinions on this sort of stuff and like kind of wonder and hope that maybe we know more than you. But like truth be told, we're just regular New Japan fans. <laughs> and we don't have like 
ties into like what's going on with Coato down in like t- you know in Mexico City. I have no clue what they're gonna do with the guy. Yeah. So. But yeah. I mean, like, if you want my generic, easy, easy answer, probably end up in Lij. Yeah. Even though he probably actually won't, because to me he's a natural baby face, and they should make him like a junior ace. Honestly, he probably probably should just be Seki again. Yeah. Um, so then uh, the next question we have here from Muzza underscore forty four. Oh my God, this guy. <laughs> Who do you think on the New Japan roster will be sidelined from the Wrestle Kingdom card? Well, we don't have to wonder anymore. Right. It's kind of kind of leading to the news. Yeah, so that's going to lead into the news. Um, and so the trios gauntlet match, the participants have been announced. Like we mentioned last week, this match will be on the pre-show instead of the Rumble. And there are going to be five teams in this thing. The winning team will get a... Uh, title shot on New Year's Dash against Tama Tonga Tangaloa and Taiji Ishimori. So, team number one, Hiroki Goto, Beretta, and Chucky T. Team number two, Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Team number three, Risuke Taguchi, Togi Makabe, and Toroyano. Team number four, Michael Elgin, Jeff Cobb, and David Finley. And the final team will be Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, and Yujiro Takahashi. So who's missing? Um, tai Chi, sidelined. <laughs> Chase Owens, sidelined. <laughs> oh my God! Well, hey, it's not your year. Yeah, it's not and your year. I gotta say, I love the fact that not everybody is on the main card. I hate, hate, hate when sh- when companies have big shows. And they feel the need that they need to shove every single body on the card. I hate it. There are some years where you're just not going to make it. The top programs, the top views get on the card. If you weren't in one of those, I'm sorry, pal. You take a backseat until next year. Me too. Taichi, I hope you get no payday come Wrestle Kingdom time. Chase Owens, no payday for you too. I love that. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys are going to have your livelihoods affected in a negative way. Jeremy, you're a jerk. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that I want these guys. I'm not saying, you know, screw Tai Chi and Chase Owen. You're taking food off of their family's plates. You're taking food out of his children's mouths. What I'm saying here is not everybody can get a trophy, all right? I'm tired of the uh, participation award, okay? I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Like, you have a card. You fit the top slotted feuds. You don't have to throw everybody in a a triple threat, a fatal four-way, a six-man... A crazy battle royal just to get them on the card. Wait, wait, wait. You don't want them to throw them all into a crazy Royal Rumble? Because I absolutely want them to throw them all into a crazy Royal Rumble. I love the Rambo. If it, I got to tell you, um, I agree with you. I'm just saying this stuff for comedic effect. I agree with everything that you're saying. But I will say this. I like what they're doing with this gauntlet. But I am very upset that I'm not going to be seeing surprise entrance into a big, crazy early match on the card. I want my cheeseburger. I want my Scott Norton. I want the great Kabuki. I want to see freaking Fujiwara armbar a bitch. Like, I want to see this crap. I want great Muda to come out and spray mist on people. (laughs) This is what I want. Okay? Um, 
I, I appreciate what they're doing. I get it, and it makes sense. But I'm very disappointed that Kakihara can't come out and just freaking surprise everybody and win the whole crap. Right. Like, I'm kind of bummed. Like, it's been, you know, how many years have they been doing this now? Since, like, Wrestle Kingdom 9? Yeah. Oof. Man, I'm kind of bummed. I'm a little bit bummed. I'm a little bummed. I love the Rambo. I freaking love the Rambo. Um, I am a little bit disappointed about the fact that certain guys are going to be sidelined. Um, let's take a look while you're doing that. You know what? To answer Muzz's question, I'll, I'll just pull up, like, the New Japan personnel and mm-hmm. see who's not, like... Well, while, while you're doing that, I just want to also mention there are matches announced for the Fan Fest that yeah. will happen on January 3rd. These are built. It's usually like the dads and the young lions, right? Right. This is being built as the Lions Gate special bout. So you have Tiger Mask and Juice and Thunder Liger versus Ren Narita and Yuya Uemura, Yuchi Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi against Honma and Toa Hanare, and then uh, Satoshi Kojima and Tenzan versus Yoshida and Umino. So, so that that's going to be their little Russell Kingdom. So essentially, all the Young Lions will get matches, all the New Japan dads, and then Tiger Mask and Liger will have matches, essentially. Yes. Fale has a match, right? Um, Fale... He's in the six-man tag gauntlet? No, he's a... No, he's not. Okay. Fale, sideline. <laughs> Bad luck, Fale. Sideline. Keep going. <laughs> uh, so who else we have here? Um, so basically taking a look, if you want to, ba- like, if we're not counting people who are on the fan fest, like Hanare and the Young Lions and the New Japan Dads, um, and if you're not counting guys that are irregular performers like Gato, Jado, or like, you know, your um, Taka Michinokus, people like that. Or people that are on excursion or injured, but just regular, everyday performers who typically probably would have had a spot somewhere on the card or in the Rambo, who are sidelined. There's basically four guys. Isaka, sidelined. Taichi, sidelined. Chase Owens, sidelined. And Bad Luck Fale, sidelined. I assume that these guys will probably be on the... uh, New Year's Dash. They'll probably be on New Year's Dash because I can't imagine that these four guys don't get a payday for all of Wrestle Kingdom. Like, they got to be doing something. Right. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Muzza, we don't even have to wonder. That's who's not going to be. <laughs> they're not involved in any way right now officially. And we just got a question in from Reddit user Templar235. He says, why they be doing poor chase like this? Not on World Tag League, not Book Wrestle Kingdom, or the Lions Break Show before. I'm sad. Dude, is Templar like bugging our like apartment? Like, and he knows what we're talking about. This is like perfect timing. Yeah, Templar came in right in the right time. Oh my God, um, you know, last week I said on the air that I thought that Chase Owens was an elite wrestler, and then um, I kind of got into it with Mr. ACP on Reddit. Uh, which never happens. Me and him never get into it on, <laughs> on Reddit. And he kind of like called called me out because he said, you know, he doesn't think he's elite. And I was like, well, you know, we need to get this Chase Owens New Japan Cup run 2019 so we can get a title shot at Sakura Genesis and win the, win the freaking title. That's what needs to happen. So, yes, Templar, I'm very sad. I feel very disappointed that Chase Owens, given how great a year he's had. And you know what? 
low-key, he might have been in, like, the most, like, main event matches of Dude, any, like, non-event. I, I remember I told you, like, we need to count how many main events Chase has been in this year. Now, granted, he's probably lost in all those main events. <laughs> but, hey, he's been but in more main events than certain people. He's getting these low-key, like, main event, like, paydays that no one else is, like, thinking about or talking about just based off his skill. Like, he's so good. But, yeah, uh, but he's not getting a payday on Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, that's sad. Sucks. Sad day. Um, Tokyo Sports have released the names of winners for their annual awards, and Hiroshi Tanahashi has been named the MVP of the year. Um, this is the first time he's won the award since 2014. This is the fourth time he's won it overall. Um, he won with 18 votes. Kazuchika Okada came in second with 12 votes, and then Kenny Omega came in third. New Japan also won best bout with the Dominion match between Okada and Omega for the IWGP uh, title. And Naito walked away with the Technique Award. Yeah, so very interesting picks. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi winning the MVP of the year, which is essentially like, it's like their version of Wrestler of the Year, but it's closer to like the... um, with, like, the Observer Awards, right? They have, like, the Ric Flair Award, which is... That's, like, their best... What, like, technical wrestler? Or no, or is that the no, all? No, because they have, they have the Ric Flair, and they also have an in-ring performer, I believe. Okay, so the Ric Flair is, like, their all-around best performer, best wrestler. You know what I mean? Right. right? That's kind of what MVP is. So the MVP, it's not just based on in-ring skill or anything. It's, like, all-around. It's, like, ticket sales, popularity, draw... You know, storylines, appeal, you know, obviously in-ring, everything like that. And uh, very interesting, Tanahashi winning this. What do you think of that? It's just going to show you the the push that he got this year and how much people love him and just how much people are behind him this year. Like, this was almost like a resurgence of Tanahashi this year. People thought that, you know, he was on a downtrend and he just, like, had an incredible year. Yeah, I agree. I think... uh, Based off of the reports that Dave Meltzer had, they said that the fact that he was starring in that movie, Dad is a Heel Wrestler, which, uh, Zach Porter, if you're listening, when you're in um, Tokyo, you need to find us an English subversion of that DVD and bring it back here so we can watch it yeah, at Storm Style Studios. It. I really want to watch that movie, but um, yeah, they said that that had a lot to do with it. I guess what they one of the things they were saying was that, you know, Kenny might have made sense to do this, but they've never had a Gaijin win this, except in 2003, they did have Bob Sapp win it. And he was just, like, ridiculously, like, over, right? Basically. Basically. I mean, yeah. I mean, to understand, you know, the effect that Bob Sapp had on the... He was moving the culture, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, it was 2002. But yeah, Bob Sapp Sapp was moving the culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, yeah, man. um, They're basically saying, like, at this point, unless someone literally is, like, a crossover mainstream appeal, like, Gaijin, like, literally, like, The Rock, basically, to put it into better terms, they're not going to win this award. They're not going to choose a non-Japanese. Um, now, with that being said, I'm a little surprised that it was Tanahashi, given the fact that he won no gold. He did win the G1. Um, he had a fantastic year, but like when you, for New Japan marks, I kind of sit here and I'm like, over Kota Ibushi, over Naito. I mean, 
maybe, but it was it seemed like a lot of people voted for him. So you know that kind of does show you how he is viewed in Japan at this current time. Yeah, and the ticket sales of the Wrestle Kingdom event also going to show you. Yeah, we've I've heard other podcasts, including some on this network, talk about how Tanahashi needs to go away, sit his ass down, take a preliminary role, and I'm like. Look what he's doing right now, man. Yeah. Look what he's, he's doing right now. He's business. Also, I also want to put this out there. Tanahashi is as old right now as Ric Flair was in 1989. Let that sink in for a second. Mm. Anyone who wants this guy to go away, let that sink in for a second. Think about what you're saying before you talk about it on your podcasts. Dropping facts. Just saying. And uh, speaking of Tanahashi, there was a fan poll that went out asking who fans would think would win the main event between Tanahashi and Omega and the poll saw 68.5% of fans think Tanahashi is going to beat Omega at the Dome. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But that that, that shows you right there. Majority of fans, they're they're behind Tanahashi. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I'm back and forth on it all the time. I feel like the politics is really the thing that's swaying me. In most cases, I would literally just be like, no freaking way. It's obviously Omega, but we don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. The landscape is changing so quickly. One thing I did want to point out, because Ushiko Okada and Kenny Omega won this award back-to-back. They were the 2017 winner for their January 4th Tokyo Dome oh, show. The Best Bout Award. Yep, for the Best Bout. And then they won it again on June uh, for their June 9th uh, Dominion 2 out of 3 Falls match this past year. The last time... That any match won this award back to back. It was in 1997 and 1998, the Kenta Kobashi versus Mitsuhara Mizawa matches from All Japan, which are legendary. If you've never seen the Kobashi Mizawa matches, especially the 97 match from October 21st, go out of your way to see those. But dude, think about that. What is that, 20 years? 21? No. Third? 21 years. Yeah. Woof. So that that tells you something. Um, last thing before we move on, I did want to say, like, what do you think about Naito winning the Technique Award? So what what is the Technique Award supposed to, like, is that, like, in, in ring? Well, let's just say last year Hideki Suzuki won it, who's, like, known as one of the best catch wrestlers in Japan. Mm. Um, but the year before that, Omega won it, and then in 2015, Hanma won it. So maybe we don't understand Fans. what this award actually yeah, is. Yeah, like, I I don't know what exactly they mean, so... To me, what it feels like, maybe I'm just uncultured, it feels like, we really like you, Naito. We can't make you the MVP, so we'll give you this... Technique, technique award. award. Yeah, that's what... It, it feels like a political award, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to other stories in the news. The story of the Tokyo Dome's first pro wrestling match is up on NJPW1972.com. It's a great read, a great column. Check that out. 1989, baby. Great year. Year I was born. Uh, Rev Pro having its big show, WrestleMania you weekend. Get tickets to this show. Yeah, they moved um, their show from 4 p.m. to 3 p.m. so that it would give people enough time to get from Rev Pro to Barclays for NXT. Listen, that show always... That Rev Pro WrestleMania weekend show always delivers. I've been the last two years, so I'm definitely going to that show. Um, 
Speaking of which, we got NXT tickets. I don't think we even mentioned that on the air last week. I, I thought we did. We because it was like two weeks ago now. Well, I think we talked about how we were gonna get them, but like we got them. Yes. So we're going to NXT and to New Japan slash Ring of Honor <laughs> on the same weekend, which is great, or the same week, whatever. It's crazy. Yeah. But speaking of Ring of Honor, this past uh, Friday we had the Ring of Honor final battle show, and there was also the TV tapings in Philadelphia the next day. So kind of the really good show, great pay per view. The kind of everybody was kind of watching what was happening with the elite guys. Uh, I watched four wrestling shows this week, this weekend. The Ring of Honor show, the two New Japan shows, and WWE TLC. All of them were very good. Yeah, I tweeted out, man, this was a great weekend for wrestling. I didn't watch a single bad show the whole weekend. And I bet, I've heard that those MLW shows were really good, too. Yeah, I watched I watched the Miami show today. It was really good. And the Evolve show was supposed to be really good, too. Yeah, I'm about to sign up for WWN Club so I can... Mark! <laughs> <laughs> um, That's just crazy. Like, wrestling, dude. Wrestling's crazy. But, uh, so the big stories at a final battle. Everybody was kind of watching the Elite uh, Marty Skrull, the only elite member to win his match, because obviously he's going to be in Ring of Honor a little bit longer than those guys. The rest of the guys are finishing up this weekend. Hangman Page lost to Jeff Cobb Great in a ROH TV title match. And then um, the Young Bucks, they lost. Young Bucks and SCU lost in the Triple Threat Ladder War to the oh Briscoes. Oh my God, bro. What which was a, match. a phenomenal match. I'll tell you right now. I don't know what's going to happen with the Young Bucks going forward, whether or not five months from now they'll still be with New Japan. But right now, mark it in your calendars. The Young Bucks versus SCU versus the Briscoes in Ladder Wars from Final Battle. That is an excursion match of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. Because that match is one of the best ladder matches I've ever seen in my life. Dude, it was wild. Um, also, uh, Cody lost in the Ring of Honor title match to Jay Lethal. Oh, he came out dressed like Venom Snake, which was freaking dope. Yeah, dude. That was a good match, too. The, the whole card was, everything involving the Elite guys was very good. Right. And then, so after Final Battle, there was kind of a little curtain call of um, all the, uh, being the Elite guys were out there and the, you know, the Young Bucks were the main ones talking, saying how much they love New York. They will be back in New York again. They don't want to say, they don't want to have a big goodbye because you never know what's going to happen in this business. And Well, you know, they're going to New York, brother. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They're going to uh, work the New York territories. <laughs> <laughs> so they had their little promo there. And then the following night on the TV tapings, they had a Honor Club exclusive match, which I believe is on Honor Club right now. It aired tonight. They had an eight-man tag with the Young Bucks, Cody, and Hangman Page versus Jay Lethal, um, Flip Gordon, uh, and I'm forgetting who the other two guys were in the match right now. Briscoes? Uh, might have been the Briscoes. Um, feels like it might have been them. But it was an eight-man tag, and um, Bullet Club, or excuse me, the Elite, they lost the eight-man tag, put the guys over on their way out, and... They had like, they had like another little curtain call moment, but then um, Bully Ray, uh, Shane Taylor, Silas Young, all the heels came out and jumped them and left the crowd with a poor taste in their mouth. What an array of great heels! Shane Taylor, <laughs> Bully Ray, Silas Young, the Beer City Bruiser. Oh my God! 
uh, Ring of Honor is in good hands. So yeah, I mean, um, Hangman, Young Bucks, Cody, SCU, their deals are pretty much all done. That's like, seven guys. Yeah, so they're all two of their. I mean, four of their biggest acts in a way. When you think about it, you've got the bull. You've got. Uh, You've got Cody on his own, huge act. You've got the um, <laughs> the Young Bucks on their own, a huge act. And then you've got the Elite as just a general brand, which I know that th- those guys comprise that same brand, but basically like that brand is almost like a third act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or it was um, Jay Lethal, Flip Gordon, and Best Friends. Oh, Best Friends. That makes yeah. sense. And then you have SCU who's like the second biggest act in the company aside from those guys and they're all gone overnight boom super quick yeah and then it was Bully Ray Silas Young Shane Taylor and the Briscoes who attacked during the post show speech and beat them down Jay Lethal Flip Gordon and the best friends in Cabana tried to make the save but they were all fought off um, and then also during the TV tapings we saw Marty Skrull form uh, Villain Enterprises, which has been his new T-shirt, so he's starting his own stable um, with. I'm not a big fan of that name, Villain Enterprises. It doesn't like roll off the tongue. It's not like the most uh, catchy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he formed Villain Enterprises with um, Brody King, a guy who he's been teaming up with on Indies, and then PCO. So there's a new stable. They're going to be feuding with the Kingdom. And, you know, all this elite stuff kind of played into the main storyline of being the elite this week, which is called Leaving the Territory. Uh, Hilarious episode. Hilarious. Like, I've been down on being the elite for a while, but this episode was excellent. And, you know, a lot of it was talking about Final Battle and their last night in Ring of Honor in Philadelphia and you know them watching like the ring break away and them getting their bags and leaving. Um, the beginning of the episode, they made us thought that they were signing to with Triple and it, H. Yeah, with Triple H, which was clearly uh, Frankie Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian with a leather jacket yeah. on. Yeah, he's <laughs> so been yeah funny. he's been showing up as Triple H the last few episodes. So funny. Um, and they wrote a note back to him talking about we saw what you did on the with the Raw Tag Division, like we're good, and like ended up super kicking him. I loved because. Triple H has always like it reminds me of um the Wrestle or WrestleMania twenty from two thousand four where he's just sitting there on his knees and like a bloody mess and he's just selling like the damage and he's got like the one arm out there and he's just like like swaying back and forth and like I guess I never thought about it, but he does it in like literally every single match. So, like, after they super kicked Frankie Kazarian, he's just, like, literally, like, suspended yeah. in motion, just doing that, like, arm sway sell. But it goes on for, like, a minute and well, a half. Well, also, that, there's just that one random tag match on Raw where, like, it was, like, him and, I think, like, Flair against Shawn Michaels and somebody. And he was, like, dude, he got hit with, like, something. And he was, like, doing that crazy sell. Really? Yeah. So funny, dude. Yeah. But, yeah, that, there was a lot in that episode that's funny. The stuff with Flip Gordon where... Uh, they invited him to be the newest member of the elite, and he's like, "But I really wanted to be a member of the Bullet, Bullet Club." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Do you think you could ask the leader of the Bullet Club, Jay White, if I could get in?" And they're like, 
Um, or before that, they gave him, like, literal brass rings. Yeah. And, like, Cody goes to, like, hug him, and he's like, I hope you fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they break away, and he's like, you're the man, Flip! Yeah. And it's so funny. Um, also, like, seeing SCU, like, do an actual SCU skit for the first time in a while. Yeah. When they're in New York, New Jersey, was, like, hilarious. And towards the end, SCU, their phones had the, the countdown clock. Oh, that was crazy. I was like, dang, they're really done. Like, so SCU is, like, done, done with, like, yeah. Ring of Honor. Yeah. AEW has to work out. <laughs> <laughs> it has to work out. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it was well, a sad episode. Yeah, it was very sad. And it, was, it's, it is an end of an era. I mean, these guys, I mean, Young Bucks mainly have been there the last 10 years. Cody, the last couple of years. Hangman Page has been there for a while now, too. Um, and though these guys helped raise the the bar for Ring of Honor, they've helped draw. And Ring of Honor had one of their best years this year as far as um, attendance, yeah, and making money. So, um, yeah. So I mean, before we move on, I mean, what do you think about the current state of Ring of Honor and all these guys leaving? I mean, I obviously I think a lot of people want to hear what our, what our thoughts are on this sort of thing because the elite's done; they're right. out. Well, I think Ring of Honor, I think they're making some great moves right now. And I think they're, they're going to be okay. So we got they... Do you think they're going to be okay? Because I feel like maybe it's... I'm worried it's... I, I don't want to be negative Nancy, but I feel like it's... I'm worried that it's too little too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, for a while now, people have been saying like, Hey, these guys are going to be done. You should start building some stars. Right. And they've been going to the well with these guys for a long time, and now all of a sudden it's like they're gone, and suddenly they're signing guys, but do you feel like they can bring like that brand awareness to where like people come out to their shows based well, on the stars that they're getting? If they keep making moves like, like they're doing right now, I think for 2019 they will be fine. Going on the future, they still need to build and establish their own stars. Because right now what they're doing, they're plucking the top draws off the indie scene. Yeah. And so by doing that, that, that is going to help them for 2019. Well, who have they brought in? So so we talked about PCO and Brody King. Right. They've brought in their now main roster members. We have Jeff Cobb, who's now the TV champion. Who, who they need to push to. They, the they've been pushing him as a monster. And then recently, they this weekend, they signed Bandito. Mm-hmm. Bandito's been one of the top stars in the indies the last couple of years now this guy's been a breakout star he's been all over the place and now he's going to be officially in ring of honor that's a big draw bandito is a big star um and he's going to do a lot for ring of honor they did just re-sign jay lethal to yeah. a full-time contract yeah. they also have dates on zach saber yeah. jr zach saber jr and juice robinson and juice robinson both these guys will be working multiple ring of honor dates for 2019 and, and you gotta imagine that that stems from the partnership that they have with new japan them kind of helping them out um if things did get very dire i wouldn't be too surprised if we saw things like lij come down there suzuki Kone come down there that sort of thing mm-hmm. who knows maybe they even send the elite you the, never yeah. know like yeah. um so it is it's very like tumultuous there's other guys too that they have uh lined up for future tapings or that might even be on these next TV tapings i know luchasaurus is one of them yeah uh pj black the former justin gabriel was Mark uh, Haskins one of the Yeah, guys? oh, he, they, they have signed Mark Haskins. Did he, they sign him? Yeah, they signed him. Okay. He's a guy. He was on the um, the UK tour this year. 
He had a match, a title match with Jay Lethal. Um, so he's a top guy from the UK scene. It's crazy when you uh, you, you let go of some of those million dollar contracts you got. You, you, can, start, a, you can sign a lot of guys. To right. Um, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams was on a match yes, this Tracy weekend. Williams, I, they've got dates on Tracy Williams going forward, but yeah. I don't know if he signed or anything right. like that. Right. And then there was a tweet this week from MLW owner Court Bauer. Oh, that was crazy. Talking about how Ring of Honor was trying to sign two contracted MLW stars. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeremy. Court Bauer never said that Ring of Honor tried to contact any of his stars. He just left a hashtag at the end of it that said, Honor. Mm, I wonder who he could be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been clear that the battle lines have been drawn between Ring of Honor and MLW. Um, Ring of Honor is not looking to work with MLW. MLW has been working with Impact, um, been working with AAA and CMLL a little bit. But uh, Ring of Honor not trying to play nice with MLW, and they are aggressively trying to sign anybody they can right now. A lot of these companies are. I do. I feel like if this company was ever going to try to expand and try to become something bigger than what they ever what they are talking about Ring of Honor, now's the time. They got Sinclair behind them. Right. They've got the finances and the backing to actually do something, but for whatever reason. It's a brand that they just want to be at one level to kind of be like a good segue for their local affiliates and their local television and their local cable. And that's about it. Like they aren't trying to compete with WWE or to really grow this beyond a certain level. And that's got to be frustrating if you're Kerry Silken or, you know, the guys that... It's got to be frustrating if you're a guy like Jay Lethal, like right. carrying the company. And well, I don't know if it's frustrating for him because... I'm sure he's making a good living right. doing what he's doing in his position. Um, but I just wonder, like, you know, you're, you have an opportunity. You're about to sell out the garden. You, you have an opportunity to expand. The, the, the industry is changing so rapidly. If you were ever going to, like, pump your foot on the gas pedal, now is the time, especially given who your money backing is from. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like no one there is like standing up to the plate and saying like, "Hey, look at the landscape. This is our time. Let's take it now." Before AEW comes in, before New Japan comes in, you know what I mean? All right. But for whatever reason, I am worried about Ring of Honor because I feel like because of the lackadaisical nature of their business, and it's demonstrable. It's been happening for a long time. They don't anticipate growing beyond where they're at, and if you're not growing. If you're not first, you're last. Right. You know? If you don't have ambitions to be bigger than what you are, how can you be sustainable? I don't think what they're doing right now is sustainable. I think that these are all very positive things, and I hope that the brand grows, and I hope for their success. But I feel like, if you want my opinion, I think we're looking at like a Lucha Underground sort of situation. Guys getting into lucrative contracts two to three, year, two to three years from now, they're going to want out. Yeah. They want to go somewhere else because Ring of Honor's not going anywhere. Right. That's why I said 2019, I think they'll be fine. I've tried to watch the TV with you. It's hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it really, I mean, the wrestling's really good, but like because of the tumultuous nature of their business practices and also the TV tapings versus the live nature of their specials and their pay per views and stuff. It's hard to follow. Dude, they're, yeah, their TV like schedule. They need to get like. They need to get it down packed. Like, dude, they've been, they tape like. 
two like months in advance, and then stuff changes all the time. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Yeah, and then they run like live shows that are like not like canon with the TV. Sometimes it's and we're not even the show that buries Ring of Honor. If you want to like listen to that show, we got another show on the <laughs> network that does that all the time. Like we're pop. We're do you remember when we started this podcast and we were like, I don't know if there's gonna be enough New Japan to like follow every week maybe we should cover ring of honor and i'm like thank god we're not covering ring of honor every week <laughs> yeah. but um yeah i hope that i mean bandito is a huge signing they've had some very big signings but um the one um interesting fa- thing people have been talking about with bandito is now he's a ring of honor he could potentially um, best of super juniors next year Ooh, oh my god bro parlay that into a new japan contract Parlay that into a future higher paying WWE contract. He's the new Rey Mysterio. <laughs> the Josh Smith path to greatness. <laughs> uh, but dude, I'm all about Bandito. And I Best love of Super Bandito. Junior. Well, you know, like, according to like Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, like WWE kind of lowballed him. Right. AEW wanted him, but they didn't have like a company to like really make the offer. And like Ring of Honor, like was just right you know so yeah i'm excited for bandito to come in i don't know how that's going to work with the language barrier but i'm sure that they'll find a way to make it work um yeah i'm excited um hopefully with a lot of these new signings these new stars and the fact that they've got a lot of freed up uh capital with the elite and scu leaving they can bring in some 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 new talent it might not all be negative and it might create positive changes for ring of honor yeah we'll see then uh, free match of the week, Kenny Omega versus Jay White for the IWGP US title from New Beginning in Sapporo this year. Underrated match. I liked this match a lot. I know a lot of people had problems with it. There's still some problems with it. I think this match is interesting because you can probably watch that and see Jay White in the early stages of his run just back in, like, what, February? Mm-hmm. Kind of compare that to what you're about to see in the Tokyo Dome. You'll probably see a lot of growth, I bet. Yeah. And then also the history of chaos uh, part one has been uploaded to New Japan World and YouTube. Some great stuff. If you're kind of a recent New Japan fan, kind of gives you a little deep dive into uh, you know the most violent players, rise, and the the feud between Nakamura and Makabe and how chaos was formed. Hey, that's what we were earlier a few weeks ago on the show when we were talking about this sort of stuff. We were like, hey. They need to go a little deeper, give us some more content. They gave us that, so hats off to New Japan. That's awesome. And if you haven't checked out that uh, video, it's a really good video. It's worth checking out for sure. And so that's going to wrap things up for the news. Um, This is the last week to get your votes in for our second annual Keeping a Strong Style Year in Awards. I'll be posting that link uh, once again all over the place. It'll be in the show notes. Make sure if you haven't already, get your votes and share it. Uh, we want to make sure you know everybody we get as much votes as we These possibly votes can. Matter. These are the official New Japan Awards in <laughs> North America for podcasting. They matter more than any other award shows. Voting. These are the preeminent. Our good friend Rocky Romero listens to the show. Yeah, it's Rock Rocky's co-sign these awards. Oh my god, don't say that. Uh, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> Rock Romero has definitely not co-signed these. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you guys, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of participation, but it's our last week. We want to see like a last week sort of like rush. If you um, 
where can you find these? They are usually found in the notes for the show? Yeah, show notes for the show on the, the Facebook group, The Wrestling Square Circle, the Facebook page on Social Suplex, our Twitter account, um, at KI Strong Style. We're going to be tagging it in the Twitter account. We're also going to be uh, doing one last post in the Reddit group, so if you are... Uh, a weekly listener and you didn't get a chance to vote last year, either go to the show notes, go to our Reddit, go to our Twitter. Um, we'll also be asking some of our good friends. We know you're listening. We know some of you have shared the uh, post. Thank you for those of you who haven't. You're dead to us unless you do it this week, <laughs> which at that point, thank you. We really support it or appreciate it. But uh, yeah, we, we want these, uh, these awards are important to us. So like we're, you know, we make jokes about it, but they are important to us. Yeah, so get your votes out next week on our Christmas special. We will be announcing the winners from all these awards. Also, some of these categories, you don't know how close they are. And me and Jeremy are men of integrity. There are certain categories that I want to change because some of you are voting like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just playing. Um, but I have my opinions, and I want to see certain... I have my favorites, and I want to see them win. And I'm like, what's happening? But the votes... Some of the categories are really, really yeah. close. So we need, like... Some of you probably are like going to listen next week and be upset that certain guys didn't win. And I'm going to be like, hey, did you share our post on Twitter? Did you make sure that people got, you know, that sort of thing? So we want to see that happen. Um, also, this week we've got... Two big shows coming up aside from our award show. We're going to be doing a uh, trivia extravaganza with Ricky and Clive on the Ricky and Clive podcast. Um, they always do a trivia segment at the end of their show every single week. Um, and we've been on that show one other time where we mocked them. Yeah. When it came to trivia. I mean, just literally wiped the floor. <laughs> it with was them. a squash match. It was literally a squash match. And so they challenged us, as well as our cohorts over on One Nation Radio um, of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, as well as Lords of Pain Radio, to a triple threat end of the year trivia extravaganza. It's a triple threat ladder match, TLC, hell, death, burning fire, (laughs) cage match, barbed wire exploding C4 match so it's going to be really really good um, it's going to be five rounds and we're going to defend mine and Jeremy's tag team trivia because we are the Palm Harbor wrestling quiz trivia champions of the world you guys don't even know we showed up at this trivia night that was literally a wrestling trivia night and we got every single answer right to the point where like people were looking at us like who are these <laughs> Literally, they're like, like, like the, no, the, the normal people that come like every week, no matter what the quiz is. Or like, we've never been there before. We showed up, and we just literally cleaned up. We got our beer money. Like, it was awesome. It was great. Jer- uh, Rich was part of our trios, but since this is gonna be a triple threat, like we've got the belt and he doesn't, so he he's uh, gonna get. He's know, been ousted. He's, <laughs> he's ousted. Yeah. But um, yeah. So we got that. That's gonna be dropping. I think Thursday because we're recording that what Wednesday. Well, I think that, that'll be. Coming out the following week. I okay, think. so that's coming that's out. That's gonna be like their Christmas episode, I think. Gotcha. So around Christmas time that will be coming out, and then this coming Saturday or Friday, depending on how things go, we got the FOH draft. Dude, the wildest 
episode, the wildest podcast of the year. Listen, I don't ever tell you guys to go back and listen to any podcast that we record, but like, if you didn't hear like the fuck out of here draft that we did last year on WWE, it was our Christmas spectacular, and it's us as well as Rich and James, which the four of us were all best friends, and it it gets wild. Plus alcohol. Like, yeah, bro, like, yeah. So we're going to be recording that again, and it's going to be loud, it's going to be wild, and yeah, that's our annual Social Suplex Christmas episode, so you don't want to miss it. Yeah, it's good, it's going to be crazy. So make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style, Social Suplex, at Social Suplex. I'm on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com for questions. Or if you want to be a part of the Social Suplex team, check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. I was on their uh, instant reaction to TLC, so check that out. Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown men watch this shit. Also, our two new shows, The Omega Loop uh, Podcast and Wilfred Watches. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Go Ace. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.